previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. What what was what, what about G4 that, that ticks your fancy? Not, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe a quadruped and the others aren't. Oh, he's, he's, these, these online friendships are paper thick. <laughs> to be fair, I did pick Sonny because he said don't put me on and now he's saying don't put me yeah. on. I can't be that surprised. What is the best thing you've ever spent 38 pounds on? <laughs> <laughs> At what point did Rombie say, I didn't say 7, I said 17? Um, he said it loud and clear about two minutes before you did. And welcome to episode 54 of the Project Umbrella podcast, your one-stop shop for all things biohazard and where everyone loves a good ramrod. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, now a certified train driver. Let's see who's joining us today. After his detailed in-game revelations explanation, we've all had to check into Arkham. It's Batman. Good evening. Calm, dignified, professional. These are all his traits, until someone flashes him a Wesker Teppen card. It stars Tyrant. Hello. And finally, we can exclusively reveal that he is the voice actor for Locke Klein after all these years. It's Rombie. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I feel like I get the George Trevor treatment now. <laughs> well, whoever's the Anne, finally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mr. Spencer was the butt for a long time, but there we go. Oh, yeah, if I have Mr. Spencer, of course, yeah. <laughs> You may have not watched that stream. You probably didn't know when when Sean was doing his Survivor stream. We got to the mm. lot part and we were talking about Lot's funny accent. Yeah. And <laughs> I go, what does it yeah. say? It's off Australian English. Sometimes I say it sounds like Rob. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was. My favourite bit is right near the end. The bit when you get off the train and he's like, "Hey, Mister, Mister." <laughs> It makes me laugh every time. It reminds me of um, Happy Gilmore. There's that woman that's the Mister Mister lady. That's literally what it reminds me of. Mister Mister. This <laughs> spot on, see. <laughs> Cracks me up. Coming up in today's podcast, we're going to be looking at a beloved game in the series, Resident Evil Survivor. But this is a bit different. Similar to our other replays and retrospectives, we've all been given the task of playing the game going down a different route. Obviously, Survivor was famed at the beginning uh, when it came out because there's lots of different paths you can take. So each of us have been assigned alternative routes. Sean had a more of a freelance role, and we're going to be talking about our individual playthroughs, our experience. Uh, experiences during each of the stages, any uh, observations after all these years, and generally just trying to bring the attention to this uh, game that's somewhat underappreciated if you can get past what can only be described as quite shoddy graphics, although uh, Sean played it on a quite good emulator recently, looking as well as it could. So there's a lot to talk about, including the news, and we will end with uh, another edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. But for now, we'll start with gaming news.
So the first bit of main proper news is that Resident Evil, uh, Biohazard ambassadors are wanted. So Capcom have put across advertisements requesting game testers to uh, to test out a new unreleased, unannounced Biohazard game. This has naturally got the community talking about what type of game uh, is being tested or you know what game entirely. So what's everyone's preliminary thoughts about what game is being tested? Well, I know there was some speculation, as there always is, that it was going to be Outbreak or a remaster or whatever, but if anyone follows CVX Freak on Twitter, mm. he knows someone who um, got contacted on the phone by a person doing the survey or whatever and they and the person on the phone claimed they'd never heard of outbreak or outbreak for part two they've noted that these games did not exist and basically said no not this person <laughs> clearly Does, it's not an outbreak yeah it doesn't bode well for an outbreak remaster <laughs> <laughs> still think it's going to be some kind of multiplayer game though i still think capcom have got the bug for a, an umbrella corpse type scenario i don't think it'll be a literal umbrella corpse too i think they're, they're hanging on to that idea of some kind of squad based shooter or tactical multiplayer game set in the Resident Evil universe. It just ends up being um, Operation Raccoon City Remastered. Oh, yeah, yeah. What <laughs> if, everyone? Could be. Could be. I mean, at the moment, of course, you know, the most popular games in the world are Fortnite and Apex Legends, I think, which, are the, you know, so the, yeah, the, there's the there's a hankering for that type of game. And obviously Capcom have been known to, uh, you know, tailor yes, their most popular series so, to... So basically you're saying Resident Evil Battle Royale. <laughs> yes. It's coming. Yeah, okay. I think the fact that obviously they're looking for actual play testers, like people did for opinions, it wasn't just like survey, like obviously at certain parts around the world in Japan and LA and stuff, tells me it's more likely to be a multiplayer thing because otherwise why would you want to bring them in for play testing or getting their opinion? Like, I don't think they would need that as much for a story-based title. I could be wrong, but it seems to borrow more towards that you'd think a multiplayer yeah because they would surely use their internal Q&A teams for single player single experiences player. yeah I agree and equally like the, the Resident Evil engine's pretty solid for single player they've got they've had two good games out of it so I can't imagine the... well they've had more than two good games I mean they've had two good Resident Evil games they've said Devil May Cry 5 of course, offered yeah. and that was, was well received as well so I, it's probably pretty adaptable it could easily be you know it could be on that engine it's not it's not an impossibility so I'm sure there'll be uh, news uh, and updates coming out of uh, someone at some point so keep your eyes down on uh, all social media outlets second bit of uh, news the Capcom card game Teppen has been released to much fanfare yeah, yeah. featuring <laughs> all your favourite Capcom characters including Biohazard ones at that uh, Sean you've taken a particular interest in Teppen Mm. Yeah, I've um, shared quite a lot of the artwork because it's quite well produced and it's not canon. Let's just get that out of the head straight away. It is not canon. So if you see an image of the wolf pack being stood behind Jill, that does not now validate Operation Raccoon City because it's a fucking collectible card game. Honestly. I just wanted to equate this because I, I heard other people saying this. I obviously haven't taken too much notice. I saw that it was, it was up in this when it was first announced. There have been Resident Evil card games, like physical card games, that are not that much dissimilar from the idea of having a, a virtual one, right? So there's been the, the Resident Evil playing game like with all the cards. It would be like saying something from that was canon because it mm. was in the cards. It's not. There's stats with this card, and it means, oh, well, this means the nemesis is blah, 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 and this means that... No, it's just the stats made for the card game. It's just the thing for the card game. It's, it's ridiculous. Unless they come out and say, oh, well, we're actually telling a canon-based story of these characters, it wouldn't make any sense because they're fighting other Capcom characters. It's ridiculous. You know, Jill's story ends with her going to a place called the Nameless Zone or the Land of Illusion or whatever 
whatever it's called. This is not canon. Please, everybody, just put just use your head. But the artwork is nice. I think um, a lot of them uh, look really cool. Uh, I really like the, the Sherry Birkin one I thought was particularly cool with her kind of climbing up and a zombie underneath. And I think Jill's one got released. There's some nice actual canon events that are depicted for the first time ever in this artwork, which is kind of nice. So you, you get a hilarious one of Alexia sneaking up behind Alexander with a syringe. Obviously, it doesn't mean it happened exactly like that, but it's you know it's in reference to a canon event. So it has those cool little Easter eggs, but that's all they are. But it's like they've done a deep dive on the on the history in order to populate the information on the cards, not necessarily saying this is the way it went or these are things that have happened or could happen. You know, it's just using that as a springboard for the imagery and also just as a final kind of final point on it i mean put it into context social media is so much bigger now so all these things can be promoted quite actively but as rob said they've already, they've already done card-based games i think even uh biohazard i survivor which one of the first mobile games that was released that's a turn-based card system yeah it very similar to teppan as far as i could tell that, that introduces whole new characters a, a new stars charlie team i think as well as in there or certainly different new members of stars and... if people are going to go as far as to say like an image on a card game is canon then you know how do they explain chris fighting a fucking iron man in marvel versus capcom did he just do that in between games <laughs> you know it's just where does it end Uh, next bit, Biohazard Valiant Raid, or VR to you and I, is now out in Japan. You can uh, turn up at the Capcom Shopping Centre, wherever it is, and uh, have a go. Reaction has, however, been fairly mooted from the uh, reviews that I've seen online. Uh, lacking a story line, it appears to be, and uh, our hopes, perhaps, that it would be part of uh, the overall canon narrative appears to be quashed yeah i think it's completely non-canon it just looks like a vr experience where you pick to be part of one of four teams alpha bravo charlie delta i think and you literally stand in a central point enemies come towards you until the tyrant turns up and kills you i don't actually think you can even finish it i love how it continues this trend of like capcom making games for random things in this case obviously vr and then naming them after the initials of what it is like deadly silence for the DS, yeah. Valiant rape for VR, like that's. I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a shame we. Um, as it's a shame it hasn't really been part of the storyline because that would have um, that would have been an interesting experience. On the contrary, I'm relieved. Yeah, I, I, oh yeah. It means we're not going to have endless canon debates about a nonsensical VR shooter, or, or maybe it was a dream that Hunk had. <laughs> Well, let's not even go down that path. I'm still canon confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) Clear Redfield's bloody dreams doesn't make any sense. Okay, the uh, next bit of news: uh, Resident Evil 3 HD seamless HD project has been released, and Stars Tyrant, you've played it. Um, yeah, so basically, someone's gone into the. They've used a brand new artificial intelligence upscale process, and I think in this case, it uses AI Gigapixel. I think is the program, and what they do is they export the backgrounds from the. They've used the GameCube version of the game. They put it into this program. This program does some sort of magical wizardry upscales the background to make them look incredible like way beyond the detail that you've ever seen them put them back into the game so now you can play you have to tinker with emulators a little bit it uses a dolphin build but it's all available on their website 
and you can play Resident Evil 2 and 3 with the best-looking backgrounds you'll you'll have ever seen them games look. And I've streamed both of them. Resident Evil 3 is still not quite finished yet. It's the best those games will ever look. And personally, for me, I'd have just been happy if they'd been the versions that you know they released this gen. Didn't need a remake. Do you know what's funny to me is that the bit that I don't get, like I get it for Resident Evil 2, but and I get the idea that it's obviously using the GameCube base for the playback, but the GameCube version backgrounds aren't even the best quality version backgrounds you can get in any version of the game anyway. The PC versions and the Dreamcast are actually already at a 640 by 480 scale. I think the GameCube ones aren't. I think they're still at the lower res. I might be wrong. Someone could probably correct me, but I'm pretty sure that those two got the highest. So if you took those and did the scale, they'd probably be even better quality, to be honest. But I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that's the case. You can check out our Facebook page um, for those streams that uh, Stars mentioned there, and you can uh, watch back. He did it in easy mode, just a bit of fun, just to experience the uh, the, the project. So uh, feel free to check that out. Final bit of gaming news. Well, it's movie news, and I know we've all been waiting to see what happens next after Paul W.S. Anderson's sadly highly successful franchise. Except maybe the last one. Except um, the last one, yeah. Yeah, the last one actually did bomb, uh, fortunately. Hence the, hence the absolute need for a reboot. I so think it was going to happen anyway, but you know, you, when you label a movie with the final chapter, the chances of you making another one are much more slim. <laughs> You know, look at the Friday the 13th school of uh, reasoning. Yeah, exactly. But was it Night- Nightmare on Elm Street as well? Pretty dear, the final nightmare. The final chapters, didn't they? Indeed. Yeah. So this one, we don't know anything much about it at the moment, uh, except that it's been directed by uh, Joannis Roberts, and he said the following. We are in active development of that at the moment, talking about the film. I pitched them a take, and they really loved it. So we're gearing up on that as we speak, really. I'm in the office all the time, so yeah, it's great. It's going to be super scary. It's scary, super scary. And it's just getting back to the roots of the game, I think, at the moment. I'm not really allowed to say much more than that, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'm not convinced. <laughs> anyone that has to say it's going to be super scary super super scary uh, is trying to mitigate I don't, I don't know I'm going I'm going back to like what Anderson said and he never said anything like that he was basically like I played the games and blah blah I know exactly what it's supposed to be and then we got what we got so as far as I'm concerned someone's trying to say it's supposed to be scary like is somewhat of an improvement I think <laughs> I'll try and find the interview but there was a Paul Anderson one where he did say uh, your struggle you will struggle to find a bigger fan of the Resident Evil series mm. than him. He said that several times. Yeah. So there you go. And look what movies he gave us for being the biggest fan in the world. <laughs> said that about Alien and Predator as well. He did as well, yeah. <laughs> he did say that about Alien and Predator. And he's probably going to say that about Monster Hunter when we get all the press for that coming out too. So, yeah. I remember all the other comments. He was making comments about, like, yeah, you know, the the history of the games and like obviously what inspired the, the franchise and all that sort of stuff it's like oh i remember when him and do you guys remember this when resident evil 5 was coming out both him and miller were like oh they're sitting in the desert because we said the third movie in the desert do you remember oh, this god yeah that was jeremy bolt the producer what <laughs> yeah, you said that as well they all said this they all said that i a complete cretin <laughs> I wasn't going that far, but I'd be more interested to see as well what his take is on actually using characters from the franchise straight off the bat. Because Anderson would like, oh, there's no point in using those characters. Like, I remember when the first movie was coming out, there's no point in using those characters. Like, we couldn't use Jill because 
they know who she is and she's not going to get killed and it's, there's no suspense to, to that, you know? But I was like, that happens all the time. Like, like if you go see a movie of Lord of the Rings, you're not expecting freaking the main character hobbits to die. Like, it's just not going to happen. No, true. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what goes on. So I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it, perhaps begrudgingly, and we will... We'll cover it on the podcast, i.e. we'll just remind people of it. I found one last quote. I'm going to leave this on, but I, because I really want to say this. As long as he doesn't say anything like this, I think we're okay. The movie rights were licensed from Capcom, so officially Capcom had no input at all. You know, we can turn Resident Evil into an all-singing, all-dancing disaster if we want to. But, you know, I really love the game, and I really respected the people who made the game. And as I became involved, I went to Japan, I met the creators of the game, I met Capcom, and I got them as involved as I could. That sounds just like a ramble, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was a quote directly from Anderson leading up to the wow. first movie. So. Wow. Well, that does conclude gaming news. We now move on to site news. Uh, firstly, I would like to say a big thank you for episode 53.5, our AMA podcast. It was quite easily the most nervous podcast we've ever done. Uh, I was very concerned <laughs> about who would turn up, how it would go, uh, and, and so forth. But it was an unreserved success. It was great fun, and I'd like to extend my thank you for everyone that uh, joined along to our Discord server and uh, made it what it was, and uh, w- w- without the... Without that input, it wouldn't have been quite as successful as it was. So uh, thank you for everyone. Uh, We will be doing another one of them, but we're not going to do it frequently because I think that will maybe take away the magic, if you like. So we'll probably be looking at doing our next one in 2020, by which time there'll be almost certainly more questions you'd want to ask. Uh, ask the team thank you everyone for that and uh, keep your eyes out for future AMA podcasts other news we've got an ongoing Facebook poll for the next podcast Uh, Resident Evil Gaiden versus Resident Evil 3 playthrough a kind of replay bit like what we're doing today Uh, sad news folks Gaiden is not winning this poll we want Gaiden (laughs) Do we? I don't know, but there we go. Uh, so, Carl, if you haven't cast your vote, go onto our Facebook page. You may have to scroll down a bit because we've posted a few things. Um, but, yeah, cast your vote now. I think that poll closes very shortly, actually. We've only got a week or so to go. Um, and then we will, uh, with any luck, if there's no new game being announced in the next couple of weeks, we will be doing that as episode 55. At the moment, I think it's, what, 70% to 30% in favour of Resident Evil 3. So Nemesis has it at the moment. Other bits of site news, we've also updated our YouTube page, so all the available podcasts that we've got on Podbean are now available on YouTube if you prefer to listen to us that way. Um, There's only a few more missing episodes... Uh, one, two, and three are missing. There is episode zero is randomly on YouTube as an experiment, but it's not it's not on Podbean yet. Those are being worked on by Batman, uh, looking to improve our audio quality, um, editing it down to make it a bit more manageable. I know there's a lot of demand for the early podcasts, and we get messages from people, and we're really grateful for people that are interested in them, and we are doing what we can to get them online so everyone can have the opportunity to download them. So, streaming news from our site. Batman, you've continued with your lore playthrough of Revelations 1. Yeah, uh, doing roughly one chapter every month. (laughs) So, uh, I should get it done by February next year, maybe. (laughs) 
but they are extremely interesting and if like me you really don't have a clue what goes on in Revelations please tune into them and uh, John or well, Batman will take you through it adding to the uh, the kind of playthrough in the scenes uh, in the kind of let's play version uh, Stars Tyrant you've been twitching far too much but it's all good it's all good you started Revelations 2 yeah I mean we, we've still got Resident Evil 7 VR on the go but that is limited in terms of when I can get access to the, the TV which has the VR kit and everything which is not all the time so we've I've decided to just start a Revelations 2 one uh, just in the interim for the nights I can't actually get playing Resident Evil 7 so yeah we'll do that over should be I imagine 10 nights if we do a chapter a night including yep. DLC chapters we've already done Claire episode one so awesome and we, we i just put on facebook page a lot of your other streams that um to catch up on so that was we were talked about the resident evil 3 resident evil 2 hd seamless hd projects as well and still so got to get the um survivor episode edited yes due to a lot of the technical issues we had mainly uh, my ability to play the game <laughs> And uh, that leads us nicely on to you yourself, Nick. Mm-hmm. Dive in. Yeah, so my work, we've got uh, part three of my Galen off-screen stream. It is now available on YouTube. We are tantalisingly close to the end, so I'll be looking to do uh, part four, which should be the finale as soon as possible. People will know that this game suffers from a horrendous glitch, meaning that if you get a perfect hit with the rocket launcher on the Parasite B.O.W., it crashes the game. That's the glitch. Not only is this a blooming difficult game in itself, the game actively punishes you for doing well in the last boss. So (laughs) we'll see how we get on other streams. I'm now hopefully able to stream fairly regularly on a Monday evening, 8 o'clock UK time. And we've started Resident Evil Zero, which went brilliantly. (laughs) The first one is up on YouTube at the moment, and that's my attempt at doing the Ecliptic Express. I've not played this game since since the game came out on GameCube, so I was a little rusty, I think is probably the best term. What's the length of that video, just to go (laughs) intro? Nearly two hours long. <laughs> How did it go at the uh, at the end? How did it go? It was the, one of the most tense moments um, that's ever happened, I think, because uh, because I wasn't getting to grips with the controller because Square isn't run. It should be when we have to do the code. I thought I'd picked up the passcode to get you know to, in one end of the train. I got to the train, hadn't picked it up, had to run back. And it was a race against time. Just to rub salt in the wound, uh, JC Wesker actually advised that I did do it in time, but not enough for it to trigger the FMV. He said my random maths code that I did at the end with five seconds to go was actually correct. (laughs) (laughs) And he said he saw like a brief second of it triggering, but then at that point the timer ran out. So I actually did do it in time. But yeah, that was uh, a, a truly once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, it was it was quite funny. It was quite funny. But, um... <laughs> Since then, I've recorded on Monday Just Gone uh, Part Two, which is uh, which will be on YouTube fairly shortly. Which is a bit more manageable, and uh, I'm grateful for everyone's help because I cannot remember anything about the management training facility. <laughs> So um, it's, that was quite good. So they're my streams, and hopefully I'll be able to stream uh, fairly regularly on a Monday. Uh, so keep your eyes open for that. Uh, there'll be obviously reports on our Discord server about recording, and more people come along, the better. That does conclude the news. What? 
<laughs> it's such a shame that you must die here, Vincent. After all, this is the type of place where a cold-blooded murderer should die. <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to our retrospective playthrough of Resident Evil Survive. As alluded to earlier, we have been allocated routes, and each podcaster uh, is going down a particular path so we can dissect our own experiences of the game. Stars Tarrant has kindly produced a wonderful graphic, which we all followed. Um, which is uh, a little bit wrong. In <laughs> <laughs> Shh. No, no, it's fine. It's close, fine. close enough, close enough. Close enough. And he streamed his playthrough, um, and it was very much a vote which route did you want and poor old yoke he kept <laughs> losing the vote <laughs> every time, every time. <laughs> oh there we go so that stream's coming we'll put that um, so you can watch um star talent's route he had a free-for-all and anyone who watched that know it didn't quite go according to plan but in any event i was allocated the restaurant uh library club route testing ground route uh batman you took um, I did the church, the arcade, the warehouse, and the mine. And the mine. And Rombi, you took. I did the movie theater, the library, the underground, and the cliffside. Who did the hospital? I did. Oh, there we go. There we go. We, everything's covered. Fantastic. So to start off, then uh, I thought we'd quickly talk about our individual memories of the game when it first came out. If I start, I, mean, I, I remember being very excited about this game. I was, my mum bought it for me for Christmas, along with the Guncom, uh, which was swiftly removed because it was nearly impossible to play with the gun. <laughs> but I've always been a fan of this game. I, I like the fact that it's, it's even cheesier than the original Resident Evil game. The graphics are even worse at this point in time. And I, I struggled at the time to go, why are they so bad? And I used to semi-justify it in my mind, going, well, you know, it's better than the cutscenes in Resident Evil 2 but not as good as the FMVs, so it's kind of in the middle. I did really like the game. I love the atmosphere. I love the BOWs, because it was almost like... It, it felt very much like House of the Dead, in that it had almost like everything in it, and that's what House of the Dead tends to do at the end of the, the kind of last boss of House of the Dead. You used to chuck in all the baddies, all the bosses again, and it kind of felt a bit like that. So I've always enjoyed the game, but that's just me. What did you think, Rombi? Mine was a bit interesting, because obviously it was about the time I'd really started pushing the website, the previous year and so there was a lot of information that came out of Tokyo Game Show this is back when it was twice a year but of course you being that you guys are all in England so you're kind of aware of this I think some of you will know this more than others uh, Virgin Interactive had been the distributor for Capcom's games and then at the very end of 99 they switched to IDOS now IDOS made the interesting decision that they were going to delay release of Resident Evil 3 so that it would give better room for the sales of the next Tomb Raider game because it was due around the same time originally. And so they had the rights to release that and Survivor and Code Veronica. And Code Veronica still came out at the time it was supposed to the following year. Survivor came out very quickly as well. But Resident Evil 3, I think, ended up coming out, I think it was after, I want to say it was after Survivor. I need to check the dates, but it was really weird. It was really, really weird. So by that time, I'd obviously gone through Code Veronica Pretty sure I'd gone through, I'd definitely gone through Resident Evil 3, at least an imported version, plus the local version I think had come out. So by that point, my interest in Survivor was pretty low. But funny enough, because there wasn't a lot of information, because obviously it hadn't come out in America, and usually all the Americans would do the guides and stuff, I ended up writing uh, FAQ for it, because I kept getting on my website, keep getting questions about it all the time. And so on game FAQs, even still now, I think it's still, it's still there, I assume, is mm. the guide I wrote. That's the guide I used to make the template. 
Ah, well, there you go. Perfect. So, uh, all the paths are there and all the information was there and then I updated it once the American release came out because it didn't have the gun support in it. It's exactly as you were saying, Nick. Like, it's terrible. You don't want to play it with the gun comp. No, it's tripe. But the fact that it was taken away obviously upset a lot of people. At least they had the option, you know what I mean? And then, obviously, Survivor 2, Code Veronica never came out there. So, those two things really pissed off a lot of American fans. I remember used to get emails about it all the time. So that was basically it. Um, once I played the game, I thought it was fine. I, I kind of enjoyed it. I think at the time, and I still now, the actual narrative story of the game is absolute rubbish. But it's the files in the background of what's going on that's so much more interesting. And um, yeah, I think that's what really stuck out to me and why I ended up really enjoying it more than anything else at that stage. Because mm. it really just seemed like something different, like a little bit different than the rest of the franchise was going. Yeah, I have fond memories of it. The graphics, as you said, and the general production values were were terrible when it came out, and even more so now. But I think if you can get past all that, and if you can get past the horrible script, the translation errors, and the voice acting, it's got a deliciously dark storyline, wonderful soundtrack, and you know the series is at an age now where many fans won't have played this game and because of how terrible it looks they'll have no intention of playing this game which is why I think it's important we do episodes like this to uh, keep it relevant because whilst the game and the story is pretty irrelevant to the overall storyline it's the background stuff like Rob says you know the, the tyrant mass productions things and Umbrella's plight after Raccoon City it just it adds meat to the bones of the storyline and um you know, I'm I'm thankful it's there, and it's it's just a shame, really, that it's probably going to be the first title in the canonical series that's going to be lost to the passages of time, really. Mm. Starstone? Um, I've always been pretty fond of it. I mean, I remember back when it came out, I was never under the illusion that it was going to be anything other than a, a sort of little low-budget spin-off title. You could see straight away from the screenshots that it wasn't up to the usual sort of production value uh, we were used to within the series, but I always admired it, and it's the same sort of thing... That- I like that aim for. I, I like the fact that it was bold enough to try something new with a brand new cast of characters. And it told me that outside the numbered titles, the series actually has legs. And the fact that they left such an important part of the world building, which was the tyrants and the, the mass production facilities, and, and also just expanded the fact that, you know, it's a truly sort of global storyline. Um, I'll always appreciate it for, and I don't think it plays too badly. It's not amazing, but it's not, you know, you play it with a controller. It's essentially the same controls as a standard Resident Evil from a different Mm. perspective. With regards to how I feel about it today, I mean, I've played it on an emulator, so the graphics did look considerably better. But I am very up and down with how I receive it. And like sometimes I'll play it and think, actually, you know what, I'm having loads of fun. As people who watch the stream would probably be able to feel through the screen, I was starting to get quite frustrated with it by the end. <laughs> I think I was trying to rush through it. And I thought I thought it was a lot easier than it wasn't. You know, I was actually really struggling against the hunters and things like that. So it, it handed me my ass more than a few times on stream. So, yeah, make sure you take out the hunters as soon as they appear. That's my advice I give to you all. Didn't help that you missed the grenade launcher. I missed the grenade launcher. <laughs> Sitting on the car. I had to rely on just skills and techniques to uh, battle the tyrant <laughs> at the end. You did do again. Anyway, uh, a quick recap of the storyline. So this takes place uh, immediately after the demise of Raccoon City. Rumours are spreading around Sheena Island, which is an umbrella-owned island where the uh, tyrants that we see, well, the tyrant that we see in Resident Evil 2 and then the remains of them in Resident Evil 3 are mass-produced, operated by an interesting chap called Vincent Goldman, who was transferred there as the new commander. What's quite interesting, the whole island is completely owned by Umbrella. There's a whole city in place. And he, he he runs it all, and you, you visit some of those places during your exploration of it. 
as part of the Tyrant program, they were looking to create a new uh, uh, enhanced version of the Tyrant, which was known as the Hypnos Project. And this is what uh, Lot Klein, um, his father, uh, was working on. I found that particular part quite interesting. And um, the Hypnos Tyrant remains certainly one of my favourite Tyrants that they've created. So they were making them purposely smaller to re- uh, so they could fit into human areas, if you like, to be a bit more human-like. And certainly the first one is pretty good. The Hypnos is the, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, the T-1000 to the T-800 of yes. the Mr. X, isn't it? Yes, that's a good way of looking infiltration and um, subterfuge. So that's going on. Leon S. Kennedy, now in his role in the government, um, probably part of the anti-umbrella team, calls Being his friend... But, but I, did, I mentioned no such thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he calls his friend Ark Thompson to go and investigate the island. Quite why we don't really know. Presumably, just to look into what nefarious activities. But it's just, it seems a bit of a moot point. Go and investigate this island owned by Umbrella. Which at which point they already know that he's that Umbrella are pretty bad anyway. Uh, off off arc goes uh, and pretends to be oh, spoiler alert. Pretends to be Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he meets up with the, the worst only, spy ever. <laughs> worst spy. <laughs> And meets up seemingly with the only people living on the island, um, Andy Holland, the, the janitor, or Danny DeVito, as, as we call him. And he somehow completely convinces he's Vincent. Yep. Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, but eventually, you see this in the kind of opening, I say FMV, that's being generous, the opening cutscene. Um he eventually infiltrates the uh, the umbrella building uh, where he encounters Vincent. They have a bit of a fisticuff fight, and off they fight onto the helicopter, which is an interesting part. You never see that helicopter scene ever. That location you never go to in the game. One scene in the opening bit is a complete, completely made and built for that <laughs> that one cutscene. So there you go. Fun fact for you folks: um, helicopter crashes. Ark wakes up, unaware of who he was. We enter the streets. So, obviously, street section part one, we all did. We all get to grips with that section, and we encounter our first zombie who's carrying the key. <laughs> how, did, how did everyone find that part? Did you manage I, it? I all right, the zombie, Nick. Highly convenient that he had the key. Highly convenient that he had the key. I would have been stuck in that hallway if he didn't have the key. <laughs> I remember when you first played, you hear, you know, the, the kind of noises of the dogs. I think that's what I wanted to touch on, is that we, not just the budget, obviously, there's a lot of recycled assets. There like, is a lot. Enemies are complete recycled assets, for, mostly from Resident Evil 2. Um, various assets have been pulled for both the first and second games. Yeah, and bearing in mind that those um, assets are meant to be seen from, like, you know, at a distance and camera angles. Yes, <laughs> not face on. <laughs> So f- forgive me, chaps, but even if you had no idea and you actually generally thought that you were playing as Vincent, surely the mystery is resolved when you find the real dead Vincent on the ground, or seemingly dead Vincent. He's got a oh, dog tag, hasn't he? He's got a dog tag. It makes it pretty explicit that... The dog tag says Ark Thompson. Yeah, but he, he gets confused. He's just like, why is he carrying... He's holding a dog tag. He doesn't realise it's his dog tag. He's, mm. just, he's holding a dog tag, so he just assumes that that might be Ark, or it's obviously just a dog tag, and the name doesn't mean anything. All he knows is that that is no way for a man to die. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrible, again, because he's not dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's questionable. Depending on which path you take, he's may or may not be dead, but technically he shouldn't be dead, so that's... He's obviously very bad at being able to read whether or not people were alive or dead. Indeed. So this I was thinking is... as well, he falls off the helicopter and lands on the ground, but Ark managed to survive the helicopter crash, so, you know, like, <laughs> much of a muchness. Yeah. 
Sorry. He wouldn't have been a pretty figure if he'd fallen splat on the concrete. So Face first, yeah, especially, yeah. <laughs> so this is, you destroy the first zombie and he's carrying a key, which randomly opens three completely independent buildings. But there we go. Um, you have the choice of going into the church, the restaurant and the cinema. Uh, I think we should start with the best, which is the cinema route. That's my uh, completely uh, subjective opinion. But that wasn't my route. So cinema uh, is down the lane. Who went the cinema route? Well, I'm I on the live stream. Oh, I did as well. The you did. Oh, fantastic. The cinema. Oh, the audience yes. shows the cinema. Rob, you start first. What was your personal experience? Uh, what was on? There was there was nothing on unless you until you go upstairs and then you and then put, a, put a film on. I think I joked. Someone maybe read it. I remember joking. I remember clearly joking in the thing about the fact that anyone who thought it was going to be like pornography would be very disappointed. <laughs> or something like that. I can't believe I put that in the guide. I remember that now. Um, uh, uh, this is my sense of humor. Is it very still was very odd back then? Uh, I'm just trying to think. So you enter and there's a few zombies in the in the hallway, and they keep reappearing every time you go in or out of the rooms. They reappear, which is either really is which is either fine because you've got them as ammo and your guns, so you can just shoot them from a distance, or really annoying because you keep going around and just being like, oh shit, same three zombies again. Why they keep appearing, I don't know. But anyway. Uh, you go upstairs and there's a hallway and then you go into another area and there's a film that you pick up and you put it in the projector and then when you go out, oh, you hear crows when you're walking through the hallway. So, of course, when you come back through, they'll come smashing through the windows and they're really annoying because they're really small and black against a relatively grey-black hallway and they're up in the air. So they're kind of a little bit hard to shoot. It's kind of ridiculous the more I think about it, the fast-moving and smaller targets are like the harder things to shoot in this game. And so I remember, uh, and then you go back downstairs and you go into the theater after shooting the zombies another time, and there's a slide of a uh, virus showing and umbrella logo on the screen, and all of a sudden a key has appeared. Magic. Out of the cinema. Magic by magic, just because the projection <laughs> came up. You can now see the key, and you click the key, and then you can get out of the cinema. If I recall, it's the only time crows actually appear in the game. I believe so, yes. Yes. So did you have any uh, particular experiences uh, when you were exploring the area? Anything noted for the first time? Yeah, I upstairs in the cinema room, there's a bunch of posters. And there's, I can't remember, the is it Henry, the cat, the Henri? The cat posters up on the wall, which is really weird. Yes. I was like, I had never noticed that before, I don't think. Um, this is just random posters. It, to be fair, and I think this is something true of the game itself, across the bow, it does have a really good concept of utilizing these spaces by what they are so cinema does feel like a cinema like it's not like it's just a bunch of random things they've chucked together they've actually designed and built a bunch of stuff and found images that seem appropriate for the environment it's in so there's a counter that feels like a movie front counter that you buy tickets from and like you know the projection room feels like a projection space above the cinema I think that's a fa- really fair point because I, I remember playing like Resident Evil 3 I was never convinced that I was in the shopping district it never felt like I was in with loads of shops and things like that. It served the story purpose, whereas I think you're right with this. This did feel like a cinema. Sean, what about your playthrough of the of the cinema? What was your experience? It's pretty much as described by uh, Rob there. The only thing I'll, I'll just add is that they just give um, the cinema a hilariously out-of-place breakbeat soundtrack. Um, oh yeah, it's very, like, very drum and bassy. So it, it sounds, you know, straight away arcs tending a rave. <laughs> zombies Rave with zombies yeah it's a bit like the scene in Shaun of the Dead uh, they do make a habit though there is a lot of dancing zombies in the game but that music is so good though it instantly sets the tone for the rest of the game it's a fast paced all action 
story of your favourite Resident Evil monsters? It, um, it feels like their music would be more suited for like a more faster, actiony, moving monster, <laughs> like than the zombies. That I do remember thinking this too. I forgot about that. It would be more fitting for a Devil May Cry game or something. And the only other observation I, I said it on stream was I, I seem to recall, although I can't find a source now, so I'm probably wrong. In the beta version, uh, you actually get an image of Hunk's team being massacred by Birkin on the cinema screen Ooh. when you turn it on. I know there's lots of differences, and I've never I've never played it, but um, but I can't I find it now. I'm actually, I'm, as I'm actually speaking to you guys, I'm trying to look it up, but I can't seem to find it. Which is actually quite an interesting facet because if that was true, it would lend itself to the fact that. Umbrella publicly, well, with internally, publicly blamed Birkin. This was almost like the video evidence, and it perhaps was being shown to the higher-ups, and they had to gather in the cinema to see it for some inexplicable reason. I think you're yeah, right there, because there's another beta image of um, like someone speaking at a podium with the Umbrella logo on it. So I think, like, I think all the Section City heads came to the cinema, and it was obviously some sort of live video conference thing with Umbrella headquarters, perhaps. I'll have to try and find this. That's awesome. Um, I believe that there's the report on Destroyed Raccoon City file. Yes. Yep, there's upstairs on the um, table. Too. This is the interesting one, isn't it? This Because this is written by Nikolai. Nikolai, and it's got the picture of Nemesis and uh, some pictures of the tanks in the Umbrella Lab, I think. And Yeah, it's mm. quite a good file, actually. I'm sure John will be able to correct me, but I remember this being the first real big localization issue in the series that was publicly known. I know that there's been lots of subtle differences in Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3, but I remember this very specifically being different in the fact that the report post-Raccoon City is not written by Nikolai in the Japanese version, but it is written by him in the PAL version. Yeah, canonically only the first two entries are written by Nikolai, the third one is by the Umbrella BOW development team, which is a shame really, because that would have been the only evidence, solid evidence, that Nikolai had survived RE3. Yes, yes, that's all. But overall then, chaps, what did everyone think of the cinema? It's fine. <laughs> I, I know it's I have a, such an affiliation, I always go that route, I just love the atmosphere of that. I was going to say, it's, it's no better or worse than the other routes really, it's... It's the files yeah. that define it more than anything, I think. I was going to say, I was going to say, I think the fact that obviously that, that file is it's quite a good file, and the environment, and you know, unless you're a massive fan of crows or something, I don't know. <laughs> Need my crow fix. All right, so Batman, you opted for the church route. Yeah. How was that? The church is my personal favourite, I think. It's by far the creepiest, because you, you walk into the church and immediately you get hit by this really creepy organ music and you see an altar with candles and there's a really nicely placed umbrella logo on the wall as if to symbolise that everyone in this city literally worships the corporation. You can explore like some offices and a vestry and there's a couple of fetch quests with keys and uh, a clockwinder little puzzle that you have to do. And as Ark explores around, he begins to notice things out of place, like there's like kids' board games and books and like a pinball machine and that. And he begins to, if you examine them, he begins to wonder why things like this would be in a church vestry, which gives the first sort of hint in the game as to the child abductions and experiments that are going on. There's one interesting file, the church manager's diary, which basically describes how the leaders of each section of the city got together for a meeting with Vincent Goldman talking about the destruction of Raccoon City and basically William Birkin is made the scapegoat for the incident and the file yeah. goes on to say about increasing security measures on the island and there's a little nice hint in there that says the lab on this particular island is more important than the one in Raccoon City, obviously alluding to the tyrant mass production. 
There's a little basement you can explore, which gives you the first giant spider in the game. Uh, yeah, that's a puzzle where you have to uh, put the clock winder in a different clock, and it retracts a secret entrance on the floor. And, and that's about it, basically. There's a few zombies in there. It's not terribly taxing, but it's my personal favourite route, just for the uh, the music, really, and the general atmosphere. It's uh, I don't like the cinema route because of that horrible techno soundtrack. <laughs> 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 I hate the techno. I feel we're going to disagree later on, then, John, about other routes. I- it's got a name, hasn't it? The church? Uh, the New Meal Church. M- M E I L. It's a bit weird. Yeah, that's that's odd. I've always wanted to know if it's a pun, like a new meal, i.e., the zombies are eating people. <laughs> I can't well, believe I just said that. Is it <laughs> meals French, isn't it? For um... yeah, I'm taking the first. I know. <laughs> All right, so that's one route, and the route I took was the restaurant. Now, as I've alluded to earlier, I only ever go cinema route. So this was the first time I've actually ever gone the restaurant route. So I had no idea, no idea what to expect, which was interesting because I really, really enjoyed this route as well. So you kind of go into the back door into the restaurant and you are in the the chef's cooking area and things like that. A couple of zombies, not particularly taxing. What I found interesting was that you can examine quite a lot of the backgrounds and there's just, again, typical minor comments. All oh, these knives and forks haven't been used for a while you know things like that which i find really interesting just to kind of build up so yeah you've got to get out of the restaurant you need a key so a bit like uh, it was john was mentioning the church but fetch quest as well so you go down to a with a wine rack a wine cellar as well and uh, you go into the freezer which uh, has uh, lots of hanging meats and oddly some zombies roaming around you can take them out and again you can explore the main restaurant which is which is quite a nice setting actually and then you get some a weird cutscene of zombies banging on a glass window and you're looking at that and they're not coming through then another zombie kind of comes out from around the corner and then as soon as you look at him that then triggers the other one and you uh, take them down you can't go on the balcony which was a shame I was exploring the area I really uh, liked the uh, the details it looked like a genuine restaurant um, which was nice but you couldn't go on the balcony what I did like is the fact that if you uh, at the beginning the entrance there is a it's like an, an umbrella ID card slot and that's how the employees pay for their meals it specifically says oh you know you swipe here to pay for your meals at the restaurant which I thought was really cool the music was quite good was not one of the strongest soundtracks for this particular thing only zombies appear in this route the restaurant is restaurant Mary, I think is the name. Merley. Merley, thank you, Merley. Yeah, you can just about see that on the background images. It's probably the weakest out of the three routes, but still, I found it a, an enjoyable route. There's the restaurant manager's diary, which is quite interesting because he's the one that's talking about. He obviously starts to hear rumours about the destruction of Raccoon City, which at first he dismisses and then questions, you know, the safety of the island and so forth. And uh, that's what I can remember of it, actually. You get the William Birkin name drop in the restaurant manager's diary. Yes, you do. Yeah, yes, you do. Yeah, yes, and the, his treacherous activities. So yeah, it's quite. I think that's probably because most of them I always find it easy, normal, and hard. I think that's how they generally are. So I'd probably put the restaurant as the easy route. Cinema normal, church hard. I think the church is easier than the cinema myself. The spiders aren't that tough, but those crows are freaking annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Well, what does John think? I no, I agree with you there. From what I remember of the cinema, there's nothing particularly taxing in the church at all. It's just a couple of zombies. And I think there's you, only one spider. You have to kill the same three zombies every time you go out of a doorway from the cinema. So if you go in the door and then you, if you don't know what you're doing and you say you go into the theatre once, you've already killed them once, you come out, you kill them again, you go upstairs, you go through, you get the movie, you put the film, you put the film in the projector, come out, have to 
deal with the crows, then come down and you've got to shoot the zombies again. Then you go into the cinema, pick up the key, then come out and shoot the zombies one more time, and then exit out the door. I think it's kind of the hardest, but it's not still not really that hard. The crows are only annoying just because it's really hard to aim at them, and they're black crows on a relatively quite dark background, so they don't really stand out very well. So once you exit your particular locations, you then come into the kind of street section part two, and you have a good look around, and well, what begins then is the uh, first telephone call, once you have... Is there some dogs first? Uh, yeah, I think there is, yeah. Yes. But you can dogs. ignore them, just go straight to the phone. Yes, dogs then hang dog, up. This hangs up. Dogs are by far constantly the most annoyingly difficult enemy to target, I think. Hunters are hard because they're tough, but dogs are just annoying because if you don't get a target on them properly, they will run around in circles and sometimes not jump at you, and then you just keep spinning on the spot trying to target them. Yeah. I remember this from when I was writing the guide years ago and playing it again just now. I still found them just as annoying. They are because you can get auto locked, but sometimes it doesn't always last. You can exploit the dogs and the lickers, though, by just simply turning away from them. I never knew that... this until you mentioned this. <laughs> yeah. You can also lead them down places so if you've got a narrow space then it's easier to get them to run towards you and then you can target them easier too yeah so you go down the steps and this is where you encounter your first uh lickers two of them i've put in my notes tag team lickers i think if you fight them with your guns it's they can easily kill you at this point because of their dual attack mode of lick and slash and god knows what but yeah you're your exploit uh, helps. <laughs> the, the other other exploit, well, not exploit, but the other tactic is that when they leap, if you just take two steps back, they never like fully launch at you. They always just land, so you never have to worry about them. If you, as long as you see the fact that they're about to jump, you can either shoot them out of the air or like yeah, just take like two or three steps backwards, and then they just land. Like they don't continue to slash at, mm. as far as you are. They so, land where you were. Yeah, it's a really awkward animation, isn't it? It sort of freezes and mm. they just sort of drop to the floor. Full yes, yeah. very slow mo, isn't it? So there's not a lot. I mean, it's interesting. You know, I find the whole area is pitch black. It's kind of using Silent Hill techniques, isn't it, to kind of mask the quality of the graphics? Because in theory, you can have a better look round, but you can't because it's all pitch black. Anyway, you kind of go back up and you're faced again with a choice as to where you want to go. Three choices again. And this is the key decision point because this affects what your ending is going to be later on in the game. So depending on what route, it depends who is ultimately killed at the end of the game. So the the choices here are the arcade, Aubrey, and hospital. The arcade's intrapot. The hospital is either the centre or central hospital, depending on which sign you read. Right. And the library is just the library. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. So um, I always usually pick the arcade just because I like the cleaners, but that's not the route I went down. So I went the library along with John. You did the library? I did the arcade. I did the library Uh, with you. Rob, you start us off then. How did you find the library? The library's probably a little bit lackluster. It's just a big open space with a room at the top that is basically the actual library, if that makes sense. So it's like a hall and a library, and then it's some back rooms that lead back out onto the back of the place, which is kind of weird. Well, it kind of is more the front of the place. It kind of leads to the bit to the side of where you enter. It's, yeah, odd. Because yeah, you, you kind, of, yeah, you kind of work back on yourself, don't you? So the main hall is quite large. Uh, upstairs, there's like a herb, I think, and but not much else. I didn't really explore. I mean, you might have done a better job, Nick. I didn't really, and I have to say this throughout the entire game, just because I didn't really think about it. I didn't really click on a lot of things. So I don't know if there's anything on the walls that really pay off to anything. When you go into the room upstairs, you get locked in the room. Did you meet Andy beforehand? I'm starting to, I've already forgotten. You speak to him on the phone. 
That's right, you switched him on the phone. And, um, he's accused you of being a murderer. That's right, that's right. I was trying to remember what it was. And yeah, he locks you He locks you in the room yep. and there's a hunter and you basically just have to avoid the hunter in the room. It's just one hunter in your space. And once you kill the hunter, you can just unlock the door, which is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those magical like, events. The lock to the door is attached to the hunter's pulse. <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's fine. And then you go back downstairs and you go through a doorway that Andy left into. Uh, and in there, I think there's some more bookcases with a file and some liquors. And then you go into another back room and there's some zombies in a manhole opener. And then when you get outside, there's a manhole covered in go underground. And that's basically it. Oh, and there's another red herb out there or something. And you can see the pathway where we entered the library and on the other side where maybe you came out from the movie theatre. Yeah, you can. I thought that was really cool. You can totally see where you've just come from and that works quite nicely with the map. I thought the library evoked feelings and memories of almost like, you know, the original game. It's quite atmospheric, quite mansion-esque. Is what mm. I've, what I've that, noted. To me, yes, it's there's definitely still atmosphere to it, but it's not a library. It's not like a town library. It feels more like a mansion with a, a mini library attached to it, like the mansion in the first game. That's that's a fair call. Most of the books, because you can inspect them, you can inspect some of the pictures as well. But most of the books are chemical books, are the ones you can look into, which I thought was quite a nice little touch. And this is the first time I found that you can actually break some of the windows with your gun which I didn't know you could do the first time ever. <laughs> I think that Hunter was quite a cool moment because you can hear him and he's doing the classic clicking noise, but you can't see him and you don't know which route he's kind of taking so you can kind of tactically, you know, plan that route and they're tough. The- these are definitely more, the-, the hunters that you fight here are definitely more in- similar to the original mansion ones than the latter ones that came in the series. They're tough, they're tough. If you're not well prepared and you know, tactically on it they can be tricky I was going to say I think the thing that's really and this goes for the whole thing and the other guys will probably have something to say about it as well is that the hunters make the original noise but not all of the original noise if that makes sense like they don't do all the same sound effects so it's really off-putting because I expect them to make more noise than they do and they don't like they make the clicky thing and they make one screech but they only make the same one screech <laughs> they don't make other types of noises like the original hunters do if that makes sense I keep expecting yeah there's no other. They don't do that jump noise, do they? I think they just yeah, do the, the jumping screech. ones especially. They don't do yeah. like the jumping screech and they... No. Yeah, it's really off-putting. I had an interesting moment in the library. When you go into the manhole, you go into another room that's completely filled with roaches. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. But Yeah, and you turn on the light and uh, suddenly the room's crawling with roaches. Some kind of then come at you, but I had... It must have been an audio glitch because it's, it was almost like this virtual surround sound. Because as the one flew towards me, it got louder and louder and louder, and obviously my speakers were going. <laughs> I thought the game had actually frozen on me. <laughs> honestly, I've never been more scared in my life. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Lynn? The game does have a faux, like a equivalent of the time, I guess, a fake 3D soundscape to it. The game even tells you when you start it up to it's best experienced in stereo with headphones because the game being played entirely in first person, they had kind of set up this idea where you can hear sound coming from different speakers from different sides. And I guess that's probably it. It's probably true. The closer things are, they probably get louder because they've done this kind of fake sound field as well yeah obviously stuff's further away it's quieter stuff's closer but maybe it's just the fact there's so many cockroaches that it's just like layered these it, noises of all this buzzing cockroach noise over the top of each other it was it, you know i was trying to play the game quite quietly at night it was quite an experience the one i just wasn't expecting at all especially with roaches because they're tiny the good thing you is can, you can yeah. just run out you can get out of there really quickly but if you don't it is really annoying so well, if anyone run. does play it 
Yeah, if okay. anyone does play it and doesn't move, you'll definitely not probably survive, I think. No, there's more of a fear of my speakers bursting than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we get any files in... Yeah, there is. There's one is file it? in the library stacks. So it's the Umbrella Top Secret file. That... Yeah, if you're a child living on Sheena Island, you can go to the library with your library card and rent out Umbrella's <laughs> Top Secret file, which literally, <laughs> literally says Umbrella Confidential Document for your eyes only. Yeah. <laughs> or, or any books about chemicals that you want, if you yeah. want to learn how to put them together. Yeah. A lot could be at home, back at home, making some sort of new chemical concoction or like finding out what his dad actually does, you know. Mm, mm. What was interesting about that father, because I think that was arguably the first time I knew of how a lot of these BOWs were created, and they're not strictly right, are they? Because they have a particular, the top secret file mentions how the liquor and the hunter were created. Yeah, it says the liquor is a mutation that occurs when a zombie is further contaminated by the T-virus. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it says about the hunter. Reptilian. Well, it's, it's right, isn't it? They, no, they, they just say it's reptilian DNA added to... Um, I don't think it mentions the embryo. T-virus contaminates human DNA. Uh, since their lower body muscles have been enhanced, they can jump incredibly high and attack with razor-sharp claws. That's the original non-Japanese translated version. Mm. Yeah. That's literally what it said. And there's a redacted file at the end about the Hypnos prototype as well. Yes, so it gets your little, your little teaser for that. But overall... However, there is one problem. It doesn't tell you what that problem is. Yeah, it doesn't really... I, I guess it's mutation, but who knows, who knows. But yeah, so uh, as Rob says, you kind of end up in this kind of underground almost like another rave scene with all the orange lighting but that's the kind of end point for all of the all of the scenarios so let's rewind Craig David style and uh, <laughs> arcade John you went through the arcade which is probably the uh, most interesting route it's the shortest route a bit like I suppose the equivalent of the restaurant is probably the shortest and the easiest I think but the first thing you get is a unique cutscene of the uh, trash sweeper stroke undertaker unit arriving on two helicopters now these are disposable genetic soldiers that dissolve upon death to leave no trace they were there and they're led by a human commander and yep. basically a clean up crew to um, destroy the biohazard and kill any survivors and in my little headcanon I see them as a, an ill-fated replacement for the UBCS it we know were wiped out in Raccoon City but because basically they shit and they die so easily they were never used again after this game careful there John you're not allowed to have a head cannon I know I know I apologise but yeah the arcade's called the Club Entrepot and when you go in these soldiers they, they look weird they don't look quite human they've got long arms they make weird noises and they like to roll and do somersaults um, <laughs> as you said they die in like couple of shots yeah they're very very weak they have mp5s but still prefer to sort of somersault and roll at you and smack <laughs> you with them rather than actually shoot you there's some easter eggs in there there's a dino crisis poster on the wall uh, if you go into one of the side offices you get another little cutscene where andy holland is shooting at you from the library yes that's true yeah. um he says die vincent <laughs> And he, he very conveniently kills two Undertakers who are just about to shoot you. Underneath the arcade is a little casino. There's a first aid spray in there. You can get a handgun C. I think that reloads faster or it's got a, a faster shooting thing. I'm not quite sure. I can't remember. And then it just sort of leads into a back office where you get the manhole opener mm. to go in the sewers. There's no files in there. It's very, very short and there's nothing really of any interest. And one of the only places you do get first aid sprays, I think. There's not many in the game. Mm. But again, it's just the game giving you hints that the 
apparently, you know, the island seems to have gone out of its way to provide facilities for, like, children and teenagers with arcade machines and, you know, cafes and things. It is, yeah, it's, that's a good point. I didn't think the, about um, Aside from the Dinocrisis poster, there's also a poster from Darkstalkers, uh, Darkstalkers 3 in there as well. Mm. There's a couple others throughout the game, so from that as well. There's a Street Fighter one later on. The Cleaner, Commander, he's an interesting character. I actually like his voice acting in this. I think it's quite... I wish he was Hunk. I don't see why it couldn't be Hunk just leading this unit. Yes, that's true. I mean, in my head, Canon. God forbid. I see the cleaners, yeah, experimented upon humans that have resulted in this hunched kind of stance that can only do, they can do basic missions. But the problem is that they are very good at what they do in terms of as a product. I know they're very weak, but they're not bad if you, you know, stop and think about what they're actually, you know, as a kind of product that Umbrella could sell. You know, if you buy enough of them, they're not that shabby. I think they're just, they used as more as a failsafe, I think. I don't think they would ever be, Umbrella would ever sell them. Because the program to um, self-destruct as well, whenever they finish the mission, they will just terminate themselves. Only the human commander returns, so... Okay. I, I yeah, I mean, as I said, I, I connect it with the Matchless Soldier program. I think it's a little hint of a tent about that. I think that works quite nicely, and I'll be exploring that a bit further, but don't worry about that. Music was quite good in this scenario, I always thought. A bit of drum and bass going on. Seems suitable for the arcade, I think. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I forgot, yeah, in the library we get the handgun... D? The little Luger pistol, yeah. Yeah. It's like an eight, yeah. eight shot thing. Okay. So, finally, it's the uh, the turn of the hospital, which is probably the hardest route. Star Star, were you sent that way? Uh, yeah, the hospital is probably the most complex as well in terms of its layout. It, you know, it's got a lot of little side rooms, and most of them are optional. You don't need to go into many, but they're mainly just like on a ward, and you go into like recovery rooms with beds and a couple of nice static televisions for a bit of uh, yes. atmosphere. Um, it's the first appearance of one of the Mr. X's who bursts through um, a ceiling as you're waiting for a lift. Yep, standard. And this is the route that gives you Vincent. And as soon as you enter the hospital, you get a cutscene of him stood before the monitor room. And he notes that the cleaner commander and that have arrived. And that's the last of you see of him for now. Uh, the hospital's pretty well designed for this game, actually. Visually, through the emulator, certainly, it looked very clean. You get Hangum B here, which is uh, the super rapid firing one. And the only file I can recall is the patient yep. records, which implies that they're being heavily medicated during their meals. And the other bit, again, leading into what we've just been talking about, is that they're all teenagers. They're all like listed, I think, like 17, 18. Yeah. Which is kind of important, obviously, later, yeah. but you don't know the relevance of that at the time. And the only puzzle is you've got to turn on an MRI scanner at one point to get a key, which is randomly on the bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think but it's I, good I, mean, I thought it had a quite Silent Hill-esque vibes some, not for the first time as well there's some bloodstains on the wall isn't there and isn't some of the corridors barricaded up with like beds and chairs and things yeah, yeah and a couple of the a couple of like the patient rooms are smashed and that MRI mm. scanner links into the files doesn't it because one of the patients they found a tumour in the cerebellum so they were going to get rid of him yeah and don't they dispose of him as a result of his result yeah. This is the thing. You can plough through this game relatively quickly and you can just treat it as it is. But as we kind of alluded to, even through these opening six scenarios, there is so much to get from fairly innocuous situations and localities but there is a, a very very dark undertone to this to this mm. game in this setting it can be easily missed and lost on uh, on people certainly perhaps of this generation who are into you know but perhaps a bit more streaming just doing it but if you've got the time to have a good look and actually 
absorb the information that the game's giving to you, it becomes very dark, very sinister. Well, the game actually requires you to play it at least three times just to be able to get all the files. Yes, and all the weapons yeah. as well. Because it's worth mentioning, we haven't said this yet, but the um, the game doesn't allow you to save at any point, I don't think, does it? You can no. only continue. No. But once you finish the game, or if you die don't, and use a your continue. continues... Or choose not what, to continue, yeah. Yeah, you can save what you've got unlocked with regards to weapons and files, and they carry over to your next attempt. Yeah, yeah. cool. So once you've done those scenarios, you kind of end up in this kind of underground sewer bit with an orange neon paint saying, do not come in here, no entry, that type of thing. Which, of course, is exactly where you're going to go. Exactly. <laughs> you're telling me not to go in the door, I'm going in that door. You, <laughs> so you go into the door, and this is where you start getting some clues about your own character's background and there's lots of dodgy photographs of yourself in the area. And this is when the voice acting also really, really picks up. A picture. <laughs> we have had lots of calls from our listeners on Discord. They are expecting some Star Tyrants impressions. No, I, you're only going to get a small handful today. <laughs> I have not yet drank any alcohol. <laughs> it's early, early in the afternoon. You've already made enough fun of my voice sounding like uh, lots. <laughs> Mister! Mister! Bloody hell, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's the nuance with Lot. You've got to change it from old Cockney English to kind of South African slash Australian. That's the... Um... Slash Kiwi slash whatever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trick. But yeah, so you you kind of read Andy's diary and, and so forth. Again, it quite how he gets here, well, I suppose he climbs down the ladder, doesn't he? I, mean, I was just thinking how Andy, the janitor, actually gets down to this particular office. Well, this is where he lives. He lives in the, yeah. he lives in the sewer because he wants to keep away from everyone on the island. And he likes photography, which is why the room's covered in Polaroid pictures. He takes pictures of the waste for some reason. Um, <laughs> there's a bed in there, isn't there? And... His file talks about he took a picture of the commander, and it's obviously a picture of Ark posing at the commander, which is quite a clever little twist, I suppose. There's not a lot else to really say about that particular unit for such a short, kind of short period of time. But you're you're making progress now. How long has um, Vincent actually been on the island at this point? It doesn't say exactly when Goldman came to the island, but uh, I think it was shortly before the Raccoon City incident. But um, mm. I think he only ever presents himself to like his research team and the heads of the city. So not not everyone, you know, someone like Andy who's just a janitor, he wouldn't necessarily know what he looks like. No, no, exactly. But it's a bit of a gamble by Ark posing as the commander and just banking on the fact that nobody knows what he looks like. Again, I see, as I said right at the start, not really that good of a spy. No. <laughs> not a great plan. Not a great no. plan. So you leave, you leave his room, you encounter another liquor. It gives you a, a, a quite a good jump moment, actually, I thought. I always just run past that Run one. past it. Yeah. You can run past it, you can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The ladder, yeah. And then you come to Paradise, which is a very odd name for a prison, but so you climb up and uh, the manhole cover is beyond the prison gates, and so you're inadvertently trapped inside a prison. And again, it, you know, this area is quite unique. I don't think we've ever been to a prison in Resident Evil before until Revelations 2. Um, so although this game uses a lot of recycled assets, this is a relatively new uh, environment for us to explore. My first comment about this Paradise Prison, when you come in, there's a lot of cheap zombie locations. 
mm. in terms of where they are. Sometimes it can be nearly impossible to avoid because they're literally standing as you enter. I found that a bit cheap, but never mind. Anyway, you come into the prison. This is, I suppose, it acts as the the next level, if you like, before you get to the the, the choices. What I liked about this was there was lots of legible signs. You can actually read some of the comments and the directions in, in the prison, and it's a lot more clearer on Sean's stream. So worth checking out. But there's things like saying the playground was this way and the cells were that way and so forth, which I really enjoyed. And my personal highlight uh, in this the first part was the umbrella office. I really, really like the Umbrella Office. And I think it was the first point in the game where you actually realised that Umbrella really did own everything in this town. We know, like, Umbrella basically ruled Raccoon City, but they did it incognito, if you like, just by bribing irons and so forth. And their presence was still quite official, whereas this, it was very explicit. I suppose if you've gone the church route, you'd have seen the Umbrella logo as well. But owning a prison like this, I felt, added a lot of depth and sinisterism to the overall spectacle. What did everyone else think of the, the kind of first parts of the prison the same thing comes across in the prison chief diary in there as well yeah like because we know who vincent essentially is even at this point art thinks he's vincent but you know it basically was it was the thing about like him killing people and cruel intent or cruel smile or something i can't remember what it is in english but like he basically shows that vincent is like a cruel heartless bastard who'll do anything to further his position the company whatever it is and actually creeps out the prison chief you know essentially yeah yeah he just talks doesn't he about how he he witnessed Vincent murder all the kids that tried to escape, and he realised then that he's, he's obviously completely unhinged and incredibly dangerous. Yeah, because that's the whole kind of purpose of the prison moment, isn't it? They talk about this kind of mass breakout. Yeah, and there was a mass suicide. They covered it up as a mass suicide, basically, and the company just goes, okay, cool. They tried to break out, and they all killed themselves. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you kind of then progress onwards into the prison and you come to the cells, which I made start to stop and look and examine the uh, the dead bodies that were in there. You come across the naked zombies as well, which are always a bit more trickier than the normal zombies. But if you examine the dead bodies, they all comment about how the person has slit their throat, which again, I think is quite explicit. It is very grim, yeah. I don't ever think the game gets that graphic at times. Up until Lisa Trevor's story, which obviously came after, you know, the prisoner's story in Survivor is the, easily the darkest chapter yeah, um, uh, the series ever did really. Th- there was hints obviously in the first game and some of the files of like researchers killing themselves and but they were very vague and it wasn't again until the remake where you came in and it's the hanging body and all that sort of stuff like a bit more obvious but before then it was all very much alluded to this was definitely like the first time it was really obvious because they never even did anything like that in Resident Evil 2 where like some police officer had been like cordoned off and had made that decision I think, again there was some vague hints at it but there was nothing you know exceptionally direct where like a police officer made the decision between either killing himself or like shooting a zombie with like his last bullet or something mm. yeah. and then of course the, the file then leads on to the abductions that were happening and so forth and just just the extent that Umbrella were actually going to just in order to as you will later find out extract a particular chemical from teenagers brains for their tyrant program it's absolutely ruthless and brutal and it's brilliant (laughs) which which can only be extracted um, without anaesthetic yeah by someone at a particular age like mm. yeah it's real crazy it's very bleak and but I say I think one thing we're also not giving this enough credit for is the way that this has played out regardless of the paths the first time you play through it the way that it slowly gives you fills in these bits of narrative it's not as, as we said we're seeing bits in the environment we're seeing bits in the files but it never gives you too much until right then when you start piecing all the bits together and it finally you go right oh so that's why at the hospital they were all teenagers and they were drugging them oh this is why they were you know, imprisoning them this is why yeah, as you said like all these environments were like youth oriented like 
because mm. I don't even think that the the name hetero non serotonin or whatever is mentioned until right at the end, isn't it? Mm. That's you know, right. Around yeah, the tyrant yeah. room. That's, That's right. Yeah. Fine. So the prison, as I said, it kind of acts as a bit of a hub, and it's not quite as explicit as the other routes, where you have three doors basically in front of you. You actually have a bit of a choice as to where you want to go and which route you want to take. The trigger point is the showers. So once you've found the showers, you grab the shotgun, and then as you come out of the showers, that's when you're presented with your choice. Yeah, you can either go downstairs, uh, and that takes you through the underground route, or you can go through what's classified as the playground, where... Well, we found this, didn't we, Sean? Sometimes it's hunted. Cerberus. Yeah, so to cut a long story short, I was basically playing it through an emulator, and I was using save states. So for the purposes of the stream, make sure we could actually finish the game without continues and things like that. So I, uh, we, we decided the, the vote went. We were going to go to the guard tower and out that way and not to go the underground route. And I, what had I forgotten, Nick? Um, I left something behind, hadn't I? Had I, had I missed the shotgun or something? But I couldn't go back. It was the, shot, it was the shotgun, yeah. So yeah, I used the save at the wrong time or whatever, and I had, and then we said, well, since we've gone this way, why not? You know, why not try going the underground? And I went the underground way. It was way too hard. And then I fucked everything up. So we lost about half an hour, 40 minutes. Yeah. I had to replay. In the end, we did go the guard tower sort of playground way. Yeah, that's how that's how that happened. Don't play with save states and emulators if you can avoid it. There's an optional door in the prison yard, which is locked from, yep. from the other side. So when you go out the first time, it's hunters. But if you unlock that door and go back in and then come back out into the yard, all the hunters have then been replaced by Cerberus. I Ah, that's the. Tr- uh, that's- it's not necessarily that there are rooms that are random because I was going to say near the. It's like a, the mansion. I can't remember what it's called. The you go to the mansion. The, the pathway that you come towards, you can be in there, and sometimes you get dogs, and sometimes you get hunters, and that's entirely based on your load. Because I died in the courtyard of the interior because it had hunters. There's like three hunters trying to get into that side doorway into the building, and I died, and it reloaded me back at the start. And the first time I'd had Cerberus, and the second time I had hunters. So I think it just picks certain ones at random. Oh. But yeah, you can go through the playground and then you can climb up the, the rope. You can't go back after that point. Um, and then you're faced with two choices, either the nightclub or the rooftop scene. But before that, you then encounter your first Mr. X if you hadn't gone the hospital route as well. That Mr. X is particularly easy. But it's quite cool, isn't it? Because it, it goes all quiet. It's a wonderful music. little set piece. Cause it, it is. It's one of the only moments in the game you can actually see quite far. And he just appears, as, you know, as just a, a small thing that gets bigger and bigger with the stomping of his boots. It's it's one of the better set pieces. You can hear the Undertakers in the background shooting all the zombies as well, doing their clean-up as it's walking towards you. Yeah, there's a lot of subtle things there. So Okay, so the choices on offer now were the, the rooftop, the nightclub, or the underground route. So let's start with the underground. Rob, we'll start oh, with you then. So the first thing you've got is a room with two of the giant moths. The moths are actually not too difficult. They're actually surprisingly easy because if you just keep shooting, plugging away at them, they tend to just like lie on the ground. Occasionally they'll spit at you, but generally it's, they're not the hardest. There's a blue herb in the room too in case you get poisoned, which is nice. The way you get out is through a vent. You had to have picked up the rope, which was earlier on in the prison area. So if you don't have the rope, you can go back to get it. The next bit leads you into a kind of just an underground pass, and it's kind of made up of two bits on either side of the water, and there's hunters on either side. You can kill one hunter without the other one noticing, but if you attract the other one, it will jump over, and you'll have two hunters attacking you. Then when you get to the end, you climb up a ladder, and then you go through another area with just some more regular enemies. 
and then you come back out on the other side where the other hunter either is if you haven't killed it or it was if you have and there's just another door and some herbs to pick up and another couple rooms and then you get to like the bit which everyone hates which is <laughs> a fight in a very narrow hallway and as you approach the end of it there's a chain link fence and all of a sudden the hole gets blasted through and an alligator comes out and you're like oh crap and you're like especially if you've played Resident Evil 2, you're like, hey, there's no tanks in here. Am I actually <laughs> going to have to shoot this thing? And so you start shooting at it, and as it gets closer, you start backing up, and you think, all right, maybe I can take this down slowly. You, you probably at this point have switched to a stronger weapon if you, you're thinking, cool, I'll just use some shotgun shells or whatever you've got. And as you're backing up, all of a sudden, boom, a cutscene happens, and another one blasts out of the wall behind you. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you've now got an alligator behind you in each street. The one thing it is telling is that, I, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure you can't get killed by one of them while facing, but you're back to the other one. I think you can only get attacked by the one, but if you try and back up too far and turn around, you'll get killed instantly. Yeah, that's right. As long as you just keep focused on the one, one the other, yeah, the other you, one you, can't hurt you. When you've killed one, you run towards the one you've just killed and run as far away from the one behind you. Then when you turn around, you can shoot it, which is yeah. basically the easiest way to kill them. So you should pretty easily have enough time if you play to that rule. But if you didn't know and you just like killed one and turned on the spot, you'd probably die pretty quickly. So the hint is to yeah, shoot one as much as you can and the other one blasts through. Just focus on one of them, maybe even the one that's just come through. Kill that and run towards the end that you've just killed it from then turn around go back and shoot the other one that's still left and then you should be able to get out the ladder i think and that's basically it the music for the alligators if i remember correctly is relatively understated considering <laughs> like it should probably be something quite dramatic but it's it's not really and same with the moth i don't think the moths have any music at all no i don't know no. can i point out i mean sheena island is supposed to be in europe somewhere isn't it yeah i think it's off the coast somewhere why are there two alligators we don't get alligators in Europe. <laughs> I can confirm this, folks. It's just like the alligator that turned up in the Chicago pond or lake or something just recently. Someone's It was like someone's pet, probably, they reckon. And so maybe somebody imported some on Sheena Island and then dumped them in the sewers. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got conveniently got infected with the T-virus. Yes, yeah. Bit of a stretch, but never mind. <laughs> Sean, how did you find the underground? Um, I got as far as the alligators, fucked up the uh, technique and died almost instantly. <laughs> Great. And then went another route. Um, yeah, we went. We then reverted back to the original voted route, which was uh, the nightclub. Which is a wonderful segue to, without doubt, one of the most interesting routes you can possibly take in Survivor. Going into a nightclub in Resident Evil. Called Heaven's Night. Heaven's Night, yeah. It's Mr. X Ahoy. It is Mr. X Ahoy. Yeah, because... Three separate uh, appearances once you actually get into the nightclub. Slightly annoying. As soon as you enter, one's pretty much bang in your face. And you need need to take quite evasive action quite quickly. But that room alone is quite an interesting room. Lots of kind of posters going on there. Lots of things to have a look at. You can easily avoid this tyrant. You can keep kind of like going around in a circle. And you shouldn't have too many problems with it. No, and then that's sort of like the the alcohol storage, isn't there? Because there's beer crates everywhere and stuff like that. And then... You get, the, you get into the nightclub proper. Oh, yes. You have, you have to go up to the VIP booth where uh, a Mr. X turns up to take your drinks order. <laughs> um, he does. And then, uh, and then you can, I think you get, do you get an ID card or something that you can use for the swipe? Yep. VIP card, yeah. You get to have a battle with Mr. X on the dance floor. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a shame it's not a dance off. Um, you do get some quite poorly rendered instruments and drum kits, I think, on the stage. You um, do. But, but the detail's nice enough that, you know, it's, there is an effort and ambition in this game. And it we just, can't talk about the club scene without talking about the techno techno. Well, indeed. But I don't think there is. It's too bad, is it? I, don't, I think it's more... Isn't it more jazzy? 
It's wonderful music. Mm. Absolutely quality. Again, it sets the tone spot on. And uh, it's just... <laughs> It's just so ludicrous. Then, of course, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You're playing a Resident Evil game, and suddenly you're in you're a nightclub with tyrants. Who <laughs> <laughs> thought Taking of that? Your drinks orders and dancing on the dance floor. And on the actual attempt, I did. I did pretty well. I managed to. I don't think. Did I even take a hit from the Mister X in the VIP booth? No, I think, I think you avoided yeah. him though. I, I kept telling you to kill him for the ammo, yeah. but you you just avoided him. He doesn't come through the door. And then once you go past the bar. The bar, ironically, is called the wooden box. Wooden box. And then once you uh, exit stage right, if you like, you arrive before the umbrella facility. You do. I mean, I, I personally think it's one of the better routes just because of the preposterousness of it. <laughs> Isn't there a rooftop part as well? Yeah, so that's the route John took through the, the kind of rooftop stage, which is probably the easiest route, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. It's like the arcade and the restaurant. This is the easy route mode, I think. Uh, there's very little to it. You take some stairs from the alleyway up to the roof and there is more umbrella soldiers up there with their stupid little somersault moves. Um, <laughs> so you take them out. I think there's a herb up there, but there's nothing else up there of any interest, nothing to examine. So you go down a ladder at the other side into another back alleyway and then through a side door, which takes you into a warehouse. Again, it's pretty empty. There's a crane, some shipping crates, I think a box of shotgun shells and just some, some more umbrella soldiers that you have to kill. This can be a bit tricky. I actually died here. I don't know if the game glitched, but there was a couple on the floor who were rolling towards me and battering me with the guns. But then there's two in the distance who were standing on top of a shipping container just relentlessly firing at you. And I just got caught in some sort of sequence where it wouldn't let me fire, it wouldn't let me go to my menu, it wouldn't let me move. Um, oh. But yeah, other than that, it's it's very, very quick route. You can be through it in just a couple of minutes. Once you kill all the enemies, there's just a door that takes you onto the main street in front of the Umbrella building. Yes, you get a little cutscene showing you that at the main facility within the island. And as Ark later points out, oh, this must be where the city's control. So we then collectively enter into the building. There's nowhere else you can go. There's a red herb, I believe, in that mm. area, which you can quickly pick up. It is worth saying that I couldn't go five minutes on the street without Nick bellowing at me herb local. <laughs> There's a red herb there. There's a green herb over there. There's a blue herb in this room. Thanks. <laughs> I was, I was, I was on fire with the herbs, but uh, <laughs> good my, work, uh, it was. There's my my claim to fame. Though. So that's good. Um, so you enter into the umbrella building. I've noted that the music was equally amazing in this particular area. I really like the uh, the ambiance of it. It's weird, isn't it? The kind of uh, the, the textures on the wall. It's kind of that kind of greeny, browny wallpaper type. It's really hard at times to work out exactly what vibe it was going for because it's not quite the clean cut look. Well, it's all you would expect. It's all fire damaged, isn't it? Because Ark tried of to course, Ark course, tried yeah. to destroy it before Goldman caught him in his office. That's it, of course. So you have lots of unique kind of set piece moments in the Umbrella Building. First kind of major point is when you get to Vincent's office and you have a good examine around that room and a genuine jump moment for us all yeah i did on stream you, you did on stream it's there to record but i i equally had i completely forgotten old mr x does his barging through the wall moment and uh properly major jump it's good quality stuff but again they're just so easy to take out compared to the re2 mr x's they're not much of a challenge no if you had limited handgun ammo you'd start to worry a bit but it doesn't matter how long it takes you can just keep it circling and, and shooting yeah. well in that room in the in the office where it through you don't even have to circle him you basically just head to the corner beyond the desk and he kind of walks into the desk and kind of somewhat gives up a little bit and walks around in circles and then eventually works out that he can walk around the desk but in that time you've probably shot him about 20 times he's really easy to hit uh, okay. I, was, 
I was going to mention earlier too, like the thing that's interesting about the HQ as well is that throughout the building, there's either lickers or hunters. You'll get one or the other in each of the areas that they come into, I think, except for, I think, when you've left the later bit, I think it's just lickers. But for the most part, I think you can go into the first entrance in the lobby area that's all burnt and you might get lickers one time or you get hunters another time. And then one of the other rooms, you'll get lickers or hunters. It just it puts them at random. So oh. I think I got lickers on mine. Is that, yeah, a lot, really a lot of them will burst or, through, don't they? This also has um, one of the real limitations of the sort of game and the engine because it, one of the things you asked me to look up, Nick, was the view outside um, Vincent's office. Yes. But even emulation can't do anything with that. It's just a noise of... Um, it's supposed to be a high-up view of the town, isn't it? But it just looks mm. like a noise of black and orange. It doesn't really work. It kind of gives a sense of scale, though. I mean, you've clearly only seen a tiny portion of Sheena. Uh, well, at least that's what the impression is. I always had the opposite, which is like, that looks like a large amount of space for what I think this island probably should be. It looked disproportionate. It looked like I'm looking at an actual cityscape that's yeah. way bigger than the... <laughs> they do that in, Rack- in Resident Evil 2 Remake. You know, this tall industrious city and it's nothing like that you get some nice details but again the game can't display them as well in in vincent's office where like the burnt flags are there's some photos on the on like mm. the sideboard and i can't remember if it gives you a description when you examine them it does it it says it appears to be a picture of a factory or something but it's so burned you can barely make it out mm. there's a couple of other moments you've got his diary vincent's diary and the wiretaping record as Which well really good yeah good quality files um, and again hinting what's you know kind of the underlying mystery and what well he's absolute nutter isn't he i mean I, I like this at the time when it came out this was the first example in the series we had of someone deliberately spreading the t-virus to cause a biohazard um, yes i know it was sort of retcon later on in zero i suppose with marcus but i like that aspect at the time because it just showed how unhinged goldman was and how far he was willing to go to protect himself and stop the other city heads exposing him to umbrella headquarters yeah well, what was it what was his aim then what was he hoping to achieve if he well, he wanted to perfect the Hypnos Tyrant. Mm. That was his ultimate plan. But the stuff he was doing around the island, his sadistic nature, and obviously killing all those guinea pigs and ordering everyone else to cover it up, he threw lots. making them suspicious, and they were probably going to report, think he would be reported to yeah. heads of the company. Yeah, I think so too. So that's why he so spread the virus to kill them all. He was going to go back to Umbrella declaring the Hypnos a success, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then we meet Lily, or as affectionately known on your stream as Not Sherry. <laughs> not Sherry. Every, everyone was referring to the characters as budget versions of other characters. So yeah, <laughs> Not Sherry stuck for quite a while. We can't talk about the Lily counter without talking about the uh, Vincent's well, mother. <laughs> yes. It's one of those um, one of those writing moments in in the game where you actually can't believe someone sat at a desk and typed out these words. It's quite weird, isn't it? It's supposed to be what a recording, a, a voice, voice, like a voice message, I guess, like a voicemail or something, and a tannoy or something. It's very odd. Didn't someone on stream in the chat say they thought it was Lily reading out something? <laughs> Yeah, but I get that. I can see why you think that because you, as you come round the corner, you you have that, and then suddenly it's Lily. But then he does say, "What was that recording you were listening to?" Yeah, it? exactly. It was a recording. Yeah, yeah. it's bizarre though, isn't it? Because it's supposed to be. I think the file says, doesn't it, that they've been recording his conversations to get proof of what he's really like, and then it plays this weird example, which is just a voicemail from his mother that doesn't really prove anything. <laughs> yeah. Just says, "Stop being." This stop, is your mother calling. Stop being a bad stop bastard doing... and come home. Come on! Oh dear, it's very psycho-esque, isn't it? <laughs> And then, and then you get um, Lot turning up with his pride baseball bat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and this is when the kids become more common in the game, don't they, from now on? The thing I've never got about that too is that 
arc is such a like he is still like such a nice guy that he literally probably could have just yanked that bat out of Lot's hand <laughs> and he doesn't do it. He just lets him swing away. Now leave us alone. Leave us alone. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, also, what I liked, there's a, a couple of optional things. So if you you can use the key card that you pick up earlier in the game, and if you use it on the detector at the end, it won't trigger a liquor coming in. Uh, yeah, and the liquor's like one of the more tougher ones from the lab at the end too. It's just a neat thing that an alarm would trigger a liquor's arrival if you know yeah. the sensitive yeah. here in nature of liquors and stuff. It was actually, you know, in terms of like enemy placement, there was actually thought behind that, which I, uh, I really appreciated. And there's also a map of Sheena Island as well, which emulation didn't really help. No. Sadly. But there we yeah, so that was okay. And a grenade launcher on a card, as long as people remembered to pick it up. Yes. I grabbed it. And it's the one from Code Veronica, isn't it? The M79? Yes, it is, yeah. I didn't grab it. Nick told me about it after I was about four loading screens past it. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I think I, I left <laughs> for a minute and came back. You, you could tell him exactly where all the herbs are, but the grenade launcher, which he actually needs, couldn't tell him. <laughs> I think I went to the toilet. <laughs> I missed <laughs> I'm already at the client's house by this point, and he just goes, did you get the grenade launcher then? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what grenade launcher? So that's quite tricky, that, that the underground part, though, because a couple of like, three dogs there. You then exit the umbrella area, and then you enter canal, man-made river type scenario, and uh, you have a couple of BOWs to fight. The hunter jumps down. You get two uh, black tigers. Yeah, odd. Which, are, which are really not that hard. They don't really do anything. I think I had a couple of glitches. I think they can be known to glitch at that point. I was actually asked about the black tigers' appearances as being canon in the Discord the other day. Well, considering the black tiger is, is actually a BOW, an intentionally created one, I, I I just think it's not. I think they've just reused the asset. Yeah, it's just probably supposed to be an oversized spider. Yeah, but slightly bigger than usual tarantulas. But yes. One thing I did want to address, actually, I forgot to mention this earlier, and I don't know, because, again, it's one of those things that I have been asked about before, and I just think it's an aesthetic choice of a game, but it's the hunters and the tyrants actually bleed green in this. They do, yeah. I don't think there's anything behind it. It's just an aesthetic thing. I certainly don't think there's a canon debate to have. No, I'd agree, I'd agree. There's not a lot going on in this, in this kind of canal section. It's all quite quiet, and it's all very dark. You can only really see the kind of route that you're going down, so... Not not really lots to discuss. You then climb up a ladder and you enter the only house in the in the island. And it's the least functional house in existence. <laughs> I don't know quite how he can how he parks his car, where he drives his car. I mean, there is a road actually. Is there even a bathroom in the house? No. no. <laughs> in the I was thinking about this after I left. I would, like I walked through the house again and I was like I never thought about this any time I've ever played this before. But I was like leaving and I was like I don't really want to go back in and check, but I'm pretty sure there isn't a bathroom here because there's only like two other doors, a kitchen and a lounge. Yeah. Do they have like an outside bathroom? Do they just like dig a hole? Do they go out into the canal and like <laughs> anyway? I don't think Lily has a bedroom, just Lot. Yeah. <laughs> she has to live in the cupboard. <laughs> That's why she goes and hides in the cupboard. That's actually her bed. That's her bedroom, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you've got a couple, you've got Lot's room, which is nicely detailed. A couple of references there, isn't there? Easter eggs. There's an awesome Street Fighter poster, which is actually really well detailed. It's from um, Street Fighter Alpha 2, and it's... Yep. It looks really nice. There's also a Famicom Ghouls and Ghosts poster as well. Oh, awesome. It's above There's the a... uh, bookcase. There's a car poster, which I was going to use for the quiz, but... No more cars in the I quiz. Got... I know, I get told off all that, but it looks like it's a BMW Z1 from the front, but it's not a BMW Z1 from the back. So which I... two cars are <laughs> which... <laughs> to create the image of the car in Lot's bedroom and survive it? 
What does it say above the poster? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the other room in the house, of course, is Mum and Dad's room, where you have a very suspiciously placed zombie. God knows he what he's up to. down on his luck, doesn't he? Like he's just drunk after losing a load of bets. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he needs the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most uh, melancholic zombie you'll ever see. Yeah, it's very odd. And you don't even need to go in there. There's a herb. Yes, the herb yeah. So then you leave. Uh, you get back into the outside area. You can see his car, which looks like an Austin Montegro. This is after Ark has sworn to Lily that he'll get um, her and Lot off this island. Yes. So we have I to love the and... eternal monologue bit, which obviously <laughs> is just... Because it's all voiceover, but you can't tell anyone when they're actually talking. All of a sudden, just has this, this reverb as if it's like, this is what I'm actually thinking. And then he explains it to her. I'm just like... <laughs> it's it's weird. quality, right? <laughs> it's just so weird. Lily basically at this point um, tells Ark that Lot's gone to the factory. So that's where Ark goes off in hot pursuit. Yes. Uh, so we get to a cable car because obviously Dr. Klein lives uh, in commuting distance. <laughs> very close to work. Up the cable car. Lots of annoying hunters at this point jumping down all over the place. Including one that rides the cable car. Yes, yeah, he jumps on you. There's a couple of good um, posters there. There's a fossil exhibition uh, somewhere in the city, which I thought was quite cool. Uh, so yeah, you climb, you go on the cable car. I really like the fact that you go towards, before you turn the cable car and you go towards that door and the hunter smashes there out the door. That's really cool. I like that. Mm. But again, it's all dark, isn't it? It's all very, yeah. all very. You can't see anything in it. As I said, I, I don't blame people for saying this game is ripe for a remake. It could look wonderful, couldn't it? It's yeah. Just like metal fences and blackness. And black, yeah, gray, yeah. Grey concrete and the occasional building. Yeah, it's a shame. So anyway, you, you ride up the cable car again. There's not a lot going on. All very dark, kind of like sandy, dusty colour. But you encounter Mister X again, uh, coming towards you. It can be annoying with the. Zombie dogs as well at the same time. There's two of them, yeah. If you can get him closer to you and not shoot him at first, it doesn't really attract the dogs, and you can shoot him pretty well before the dogs will even notice. Yeah. But sometimes it's a bit of luck. You're presented with the final the final decision of your uh, trip. And again, very much an easy, medium, hard option going on. So you've got the choice of going through the forest, you've got the cliff walk, or you go in the underground mines. I don't think I've ever done the mines. I probably should have done for this playthrough, but there we go. Uh, I went my favourite route, which is the forest route. Um, I absolutely adore this route for a number of reasons. One, it's how I envisage Resident Evil Zero ought to have been, deep in the forest, uh, not really seeing what's going on. I love the fact that there is absolutely no music that you can hear the uh, crashing waves because you're close to the cliff stage in the background and because you can't see it's the only time where the kind of blackness actually benefits of that particular level and you've got the cleaners shooting at you running at you as you do the uh, somersaults and run alongside next to you before starting to hit you and then you can see was... all the kind of lasers and stuff it's brilliant so the thing that always annoys me about it is that the sign outside that calls it like the Elimona. Yep. But like mm -hmm. if you read the info it's calls it like Elmona. The Elmona Mountain Road or something. It's the test and ground. Some testing ground, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's Elimona on one and Elmona on Oh, is it a bit of a mess? Yeah. yeah. It's quite an interesting element, isn't it? That this, this is where they test particular BOWs, I'm guessing. Would you call that the easiest path? Yes. Yeah, easily. You don't even have to stop. You can just run. You can, yeah. I'd recommend taking out the laser one if you can, but um, you can just run. I, I think that's the easier route. But I, I don't know. It's something about it. I, I just, I, I just think it's a hint of what zero should have been. 
<laughs> of course, we didn't know that at the time. So it's, it's become my favourite over time because of that particular reason. Uh, and I'll always elect to go that route. But uh, Batman, you did the cliff stage, didn't you? I did the cliff. You did the cliff stage. So this is the seaside route up the cliff where you just encounter Mr. X after Mr. X. How did that go pretty, for you? Pretty easy, actually. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really straightforward. With the exception of the first Mr. X, all the Mr. Xs will give up following you if you've walked so far backwards. So it's really easy to basically just trick them into walking forwards, shooting at them, and they get started getting close back off, shoot them again, and then you just continue walking backwards. And eventually, you, you reach like this weird boundary where they just go, oh, this is my space, this is where I turn around and I go back. And, and so they'll just stand there and turn around and start walking away from you. You just shoot them in the back, and then you walk towards them, get their attention, and just repeat. Oh, but right. I love the music. I love the music in the section. It's, it's, it's like this plodding, slow melodic track that just continues and you can hear the sound of the cliffside and stuff so yeah they don't drop anything for killing them either which is sad so you don't get any ammo or anything so. right but it's pretty straightforward it's just following a path up a side of the hill it's not very hard to follow it's, it's just Mr. X's testing ground and it's just four Mr. X's yeah four Mr. X's so. if you didn't know about that trick it would be very hard because you'd be like oh I've got to shoot these guys in a small space but other than the first one where you can't back off from it because you're where you start you can't back up any further it is quite nice hearing their thumping boot sounds before you see them like they come out of the and they can disappear or appear out of flatness so it's kind of, it's kind of cool yeah because it uses the same sort of technique as the forest stage yeah when you can't see in the distance yeah so how did the mines go the mines uh, it's pretty creepy it's very dark with only the odd light here or there and it, the first part is like the caverns and there's a few liquors in there and similar to what Rob said it's pretty creepy because you can hear them scampering around in the dark before you can actually see them but there's only one or two in there so it's it's not too hard to get past it and then you progress further and you end up crossing this massive chasm and there's this sort of artificial steel bridge that runs across it very similar to the scene you get in the factory where you can see all the mass-produced tyrants in the tubes it's similar to that except you just see the darkness of the cave there's hunters in that bit can i just interrupt just remind me something that i think that that area and the cliffside have a connected bit which is like a canyon yeah. that both have because the yeah the cliffside has a wooden bridge and i forgot this but i wanted to mention this and i completely forgot about it it's got the most annoying sound effect i think in the entire game <laughs> it's like this real like generic creaky wood sound but of course it repeats constantly as you walk over so all you hear is kink <laughs> it's like so stupid it's real annoying but i think that canyon is the same like where that walkway bridge goes over is supposed to be the same thing that's in the tunnel area that you go over as well yeah that would make sense and then you just go into another mine tunnel with a few more liquors and then there's some there's like a utility room at the end and then there's some steps that lead back up to the uh, the top of the cliff near the mansion entrance again it, it is what it is there's no items or anything in there it's just uh different scenery there's one green herb in there and it always made me laugh sitting right some big tanks where they're like got a giant radioactive logo on them mm. <laughs> it's always made me laugh i was like well this is like yeah i really want to have that green herb that's been sitting right by those that nuclear waste that's there yeah. <laughs> double strength double strength yeah so we're at the home straight now folks so we've all exited our areas and we're now approaching uh, in true resident fashion a mansion before you get there you've got um, a couple of uh, zombie dogs to dispose of i normally run that's the area that i had the hunters in as well you can get hunters in there as well Ah, okay i'd like to explore the big area of the mansion at the front the kind of gardens but i can never be bothered you can easily bolt past the cerberus there you get to the mansion front door which is locked and you've counted a couple of hunters two or three i think yeah because there's a herb on one side and there's a hunter there and there's one yeah. near the door i seem to remember 
remember I made a beeline for the entrance and I'd done it really well. In fact, I don't even think I took any damage whatsoever. And then I can't remember what happened. Did I die shortly after that and had to reload? Yes. And then the second time I, I tried to do that exterior section with the mansion, I thought, all right, Nick, I'll, I'll listen to you. I'll go and get the herb. I just got fucking murdered by the hunters just for trying to get a herb. And I was like, yeah, that, that's what that's got me. I probably lost like two energy bars, but you know, just to get one green herb. That same thing happened to me. That's how I found out about the thing out the front. Like, no, it's not the front in fr- um, the big open yard base in front of the thing, but the last bit of the um, the walkway, the last bit of the canyon kind of area it, that was with the hunters and dogs switch because I died because I was trying to grab the herb. Yeah. So you kind of go into the mansion and it's completely destroyed really, isn't it? It's all crumpled, destroyed, the, the stairways fallen down, showing what you know remnants of what it once was. But there is a convenient stair passage going down into the labs. Mm. And I think you hear Lot making a noise or something, yelling or something. Yes. yes right? you do. Yeah. yeah. So you know you're going in the right direction. You are, you are. And you kind of go Mister. down there. <laughs> Um, a unique moment for me, and I'd never, never come across this. I had Mr. X, and because they were getting quite close, I used my grenade launcher on them, and they can block the grenades. And I've never, ever seen that before. They hold their hand, their arms up. Yeah, they put their fists up. Yeah. I'd never seen that before when I, until I played it for this replay, and I was like, oh! I think I died there as well, actually, because I was a bit low on, um, low on health. I didn't heal up in time. They will actually do that with the unlockable rocket launcher as well. Really? Oh, that's it. Yeah, they can block one rocket from that launcher. I don't yep. think they do it twice in a row, the block, so you'll always get them on the second. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, you kind of um, go along there, and then you take the, the elevator, or the lift, down to the laboratories, and it's all very orange, all very orange, and uh, at that point, lots of gas canisters, and uh, you're greeted regularly in this room by naked zombies constantly coming naked. at you. Naked! Well, they are. And you always know you're towards the end of the game. I think naked zombies are, are usually the clue. And, uh, yeah, as you got to got to do a bit uh, not a puzzle we got to do a bit of backtracking you need to uh, turn on the power or something oh you to get the key card to get the key card so you then go into the main labs and the main labs look very different to the kind of like control area as you'd expect and it's all very sterile very silver and it's not destroyed you know, like the arc facility everything is still quite functional liquors and the introduction of ivy making their unwanted return both poison and the normal types any problems with them folks no, they're pretty easy to avoid. The first two that come out after you do the um the what is it you grab? Oh my gosh, my brain's just had a complete <laughs> fart. Um, the tubes that they, yes. they come out, the ones that come out, you can completely avoid that one. And um, the the ones that come out from behind the shutter later on, you can just basically stand down the far end of the hallway and shoot them, and they don't even get anywhere near you, or they're spitting at you, doesn't even get close. No, as long as you avoid the the, the spit, are not incredibly difficult. I thought the music at this point is really good. I noted that the the hall music was particularly impressive i remember when you used the system disc and it has that little cutscene of the zombies like dancing their way out of the room (laughs) always makes me laugh the um, motion blur as well reminds me of metal gear solid it's got that very metal gear solid kind of esque motion blur that the ps1 could kind of do it's actually quite effective for that bit it's quite effective it is like but it just but it's just the animation of the zombies which is so comical (laughs) out the door (laughs) Yes, I remember. And I suppose the main point of the lab and the most famous scene in 
the lab is when you get into the big corridor and you've got tyrants to the left of you, tyrants to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. But that's the moment you realise that, oh, okay, we're, we're actually in a proper kind of tyrant plant here and there's lots of them. And you do fear that they're all going to suddenly come out. Mm. I think if you look on your stream, if you look quite carefully, you can see that they're not 3D models. Yeah, unfortunately, the emulation did highlight a flaw of that aesthetic, didn't it? That they are just little flat sprites of... Uh, Mr. X's in transparent capsules. I suppose yes. at the lower resolution of the PlayStation One, they would look quite effective. But yeah, they don't. They don't look that bad on the original. Even it's slightly softened and scaled if you're playing on like a PS3. Here's where I think there's the biggest missed opportunity with this game. You fight another Mr. X at that point. This one should have mutated because it's the last time you fight him. And again, it's a long corridor. It's easy to avoid, and it's not a particularly difficult battle. But I can't help but feel that one should have then mutated into Super Tyrant. That would have been a different. To her final act. Don't you think? He's just calling for it. I know it may have undermined a bit of the hypnos. I think that's the problem. I, yeah, I'm thinking about it. It would have been, in, in theory, yeah, it's cool, but I think it would have undermined it the last act of the game, really. You'd have to make the Hypnos Tyrant like even more absurd than the Super Tyrant. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Batman, did you have any comments at this point before we enter into the Hypnos domain? No, not really. I mean, it was a cool image, wasn't it, seeing all the Tyrants on there? And, it, you know, I like that they followed that up from what was introduced in Resident Evil 2. So we then enter into uh, the Hypnos laboratory, and you get the first kind of teaser of the Hypnos in the capsule, already waiting for you in true Resident Evil style. You've completely skipped over my favourite bit of the entire game. Have I? What have I missed? Yeah. It's the scene right after that where you finally oh, catch up with what? I have, I have. Perhaps I've erased that bit from my mind. I, oh, I can't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> Take us through it, Rob. Well, obviously, like, you save Lot from a hunter attack, and uh, I just don't even know how I'm going to say it. It's just so painful, and you get the flashback, which is not that bad, but I just remember the voiceover, and he's just so excited. He's like, I'm not Vincent. I'm Ark. <laughs> Great, Ark. Well done. Brilliant. I just love, yeah, it reminds me now, yeah. The way he says, oh, yes, but my friend. I'm not yes. Vincent. I'm Ark. I remember. I, I remember, remember everything. everything. <laughs> and I look how he refers to Leon as my good friend or whatever. Leon yeah, yeah. S. Kennedy. Kennedy. <laughs> Their right mind would say that. <laughs> you know, he's oh. almost like he's look, looking at the camera going. What? Leon S. Kennedy, remember him? Resident Evil 2? Wink, I do actually remember the first time I played Survivor, and, and like I think I did actually have like a jaw drop moment when they name dropped Leon like that. Because it, it is like, oh my god, it's just like, well, it is connected. You know, albeit very, very, you know what I mean? Like, Directly, like awkwardly, yeah. My other favourite bit about that is when they have that little fight in the flashback in the office and he pushes them over. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Vincent's little running animation as he runs out the door. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> and... And uh, as we learned on the um, on the emulated version as well, all these sequences are FMVs, so they pre, still yeah, look pre-rendered. Every, yeah, um, they PlayStation look graphics. Yeah. yeah, I knew this from back in the day because one of the things I did was like pull the like essentially look through the disk files to see if there's anything <laughs> hidden on them, and found all the video files. I was like, oh, they're actually like rendered videos. Like, okay, yeah. so not real time <laughs> engine stuff. So yeah, they must look terrible on the yeah. scaled on them. It makes you wish you still had a CRT kicking around <laughs> to be able to run it through that <laughs> to see what it should. 
didn't look like it. So you then get to the Hypnos area, and I, I really like the labs here. I like all the computer screens are there, and all. So it's like danger, danger, that kind of thing. And it has a different vibe this part of the game because obviously you're building up towards the finale, and once you have obtained all the relevant master key and so forth, depending on what route you took in the second street section, it depends now on who is then murdered by the Hypnos tyrant who has somehow escaped, either being the UT commander Andy or Vincent himself, which is the canonical ending, Batman. It doesn't matter, does it? But no. in order to complete the story, you'd probably say it would be Vincent. It would make the most sense to be Vincent for mm. consistency. Wouldn't it? I've always gone for UT commander because that ties up a loose end because you could argue that Vincent's dead at the beginning anyway and he's going to blow up in the island. Yeah, I mean, Vincent actually doesn't do anything through being alive. For it to no, matter. so if you take the UT commander as being the canonical ending, then it completely ties up the game with no repercussions afterwards. But to me, I don't think it matters. Like even with Ark's situation, Umbrella still would try and sweep this under the rug anyway. <laughs> like I feel yeah. like the cleaning part of it's not really going to make much difference in the end. Even if Ark gets off the island and reports on what happened, like mm. it's just going to be another yeah. story like Raccoon, and they could just try and sweep it under the rug because I feel like they've got a lot more control over this island yeah. than they did over say Raccoon. It would make sense the UT commander was there because he would probably be the one who would set off the self-destruct. To wipe out everything, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense for Vincent to do it. No. Because he'd be Um, destroying all the Tepnos tyrant research. Does it start as you're talking to him, though? I can't remember. Uh, No, I can't remember if it's just beforehand or not. The other part, though, I just said that he has obviously been proven to be quite crazy. So you could imagine at this point he's like, I've lost everything, or I'm like, I'm going to lose everything. I've got nothing else left to lose. I might as well destroy everything. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So you fight the tyrant um, in first mutation mode, or Hypnos Tyrant, and you've learned through the files of the the beta-hetero non-serotonin extract process. That's where you learn of the horrible brutality of it and how to extract the material and how this particular tyrant has been created and it kind of brings the whole picture full circle doesn't it with the whole purpose of the island and what it's there for and it really does shape the overall impression of what you're actually fighting how many kids have died <laughs> horribly to create this monstrosity but he, he's not too difficult in mode one no, he's just, no the hallway is pretty easy to just shoot at him and then you just run past him he can't really hit you and yeah, in, dumb. in like the main control room as well, um, just before you fight him, there's actually a nice inconsistency because you get to see the Hypnos on the monitor. And it, isn't it like absolutely enormous in the large chamber? And then when you actually... Oh, uh, yeah. See it, it's not as big in the, in in the, the room. Chamber. I think people yeah. pointed that out on the stream and I'd never noticed myself before. Oh, no. Okay, might have a look at that. So you take down the Tyrant uh, and then got almost like an end sequence where you've got the more UT Undertaker cleaners on the loading up for the train, so it's quite why you need a train. I'd you also just... get the hint, obviously, the old cliche that the tyrant's not killed. You get a little video of him mutating. Yes. You don't get to see too much detail. There's like enough, you know, something's happened, but you don't know what quite exactly yet. From yeah, a directorial it's... point of view, it's a really well done sequence, actually. It is, yeah. It's why it always sticks on my head. It's a really nice little mm-hmm. sequence of shots. Just pushing up and down the hallway, and a long shot looking down the kind of T corridor as he kind of slumps his way past. So you've got this kind of train as well, which is a, it's not a reused asset from Resi 2. It's very similar, isn't it, to the, um, the kind of ending sequence of that. And then you meet Lot, and he's kind of going, come on, come on, this way, mister. Whatever he says. <laughs> and um, Yeah, and then you end up on the heliport. Oh. the final boss. I just wanted to backtrack just a little bit. I forgot to tell you, you get through that control room, you know how when all the doors come flying off. Oh, yes. Um, So if you play through the parts that give the the cleaners or Vincent, then there'll be enemies in there, but Andy doesn't get any enemies if you go through 
on Andy's path, then there's nothing. It's, I don't know why. Because just... oh, we've not. You normally <coughs> have the um, cleaners, don't you? The trash sweepers. Yeah, but then they still appear. You get something in there, but I'm not sure what. I can't remember because obviously I played the Andy path, so I was like expecting enemies, and then nothing came out. And apparently that's what it is. There's no, no enemies if you play the Andy path. But if you go once you get out to the train and the cleaners appear when you flick the switch, you still get that even in Andy's path. Oh. You get that in all three. But you just don't get anything in that room with all the doors falling off. So then you arrive at the helipad and you've got Hypnos Station who's just sitting there waiting uh, cross-legged almost and he's looking awesome I love I do it. like that yeah mm-hmm. he's sitting kind of poised up on there like a gargoyle kind of waiting to <laughs> waiting to pounce and um, again he's, he's he's far more ferocious and this is the whole point of the Hypnos isn't it I think he's a tyrant designed for pure infiltration and then if he you know he comes under attack then he will mutate into this and then fight accordingly so he's bit tougher in the second one. Well, your stream sure showed how he can be taken down with just the uh, with the handgun. And the looking away mechanic, yeah, just wait for him to do the leap, turn away, make some distance, turn around, use the lock-on. And because I use handgun B, you can get loads of hits with the lock-on. The crosshair will follow the tyrant as he runs around. Mm. Um, so it's actually it's actually not too bad. It's just long. It's long, you, isn't it? Yeah. Handgun the, B is notoriously low damage, so if the, you are going to fast method, you, you're going to be, you know, you can be like six seven minutes on that phase alone the fastest way to the fa- which i think i always laugh at the fact that it's like one of the few games that has scissor has a countdown timer because obviously when you get to the train it's like five minutes and then like you can take ages hours <laughs> if you wanted to on that last fight the easiest way to, to beat it is the shotgun the shotgun like just obliterates it like if you get some real clean shots on it it will be down in like a handful of shotgun shots i had to be careful because i because i lost the grenade launcher i knew i needed my shotgun for the last phase when you know and then when he starts lifting you I personally find the third phase easier than the second like if you, I didn't have the shotgun and doing that what you said like the handgun thing I find he's because he's faster he's, he's a bigger target and slower when he's in the third phase so it's easier to hit the third phase with the handgun while he can pick you up and do that massive slam and kind of sort of skewer you and stuff he's a bigger target and so you just, he always does the same thing he just leaps in the air and you target him you can shoot him a few times with the handgun and then just run to the other corner turn around repeat and basically just keep doing that again and again and again until you kill him. But the third mutation is easily my favourite tyrant. I just love the way he looks, I say, quite venom-esque. He's very big and bulky. Big, bulky. He's as wide as he is tall. Yes. Mm. And a resilient little bugger as well, because we know he he, he takes a blooming missile to actually kill him. (laughs) Even then, is he dead? Do we know? Like, no. doesn't mean anything in the series nowadays. But there exactly. we go. You know, rocket launchers shooting something. No, no let's not go down that path. <laughs> you say he lifts you up, doesn't he? And so you have to quite take quite quick evasive action. Yeah. But um, how, how, how did you find it, Bats? It's all right. I mean, like you say, I, I like his third mutant. I like the way his mouth is always open, and he's got those like pointed teeth, distinguishes him from other tyrants, and his tongue. Yeah. This is the first tyrant with a tongue, isn't it? That you actually see, you know. Yeah, I'd have thought so. Yeah, you most keep them quite a solemn face. I was going to say, I think you can kind of tell. I think it's the well, it was afterwards the uh, tyrant in zero like he's missing a bit out of his mouth i think you can see inside it a little bit mm. again it's a long fight shooting 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 running shooting oh yeah i died sit on the second one a couple of times and just by making stupid mistakes and mm. i was so paranoid about not having the grenade launcher that i uh mainly pistoled it using the magnum only for when he lifted me up and then when i decided on stream that i was ready for the shotgun i fired one shot and it was enough to, was it. to finish it off <laughs> So I, I went a bit the, over overboard on con, you know ammo conservation. His shotgun is really effective against that thing. Like crazy, like, as I said, like you can kill the the second form and like I, I think it's I can't even remember. I would have to go back and look. 
but not a hell of a lot of shots. I assume it has a similar impact on the third form, but it has t- it takes more hits. So it's a shame it's the mutations uh, and FMV as well, because that'd have looked really good through the emulator. But you know, yes, you know, I mean, the morphing effects that the PlayStation could do from like Resident Evil Two and Three and Survivor—they're really quite impressive for the hardware. Mm, it's a shame, and that's it. You you escape, uh, and then Tyrant's not quite dead yet. And uh, thankfully, the helicopter he has just comes loaded with intercontinental ballistic missiles. <laughs> and uh, Ark not only knows how to fly them, but fire them. He's also very lucky that they don't fire, and then as soon as they hit something, immediately <laughs> explode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very close to Yeah, it takes the turret away from the yeah. Uh, helicopter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It does the old move away from your own target, unless you blow the own helico- your own helicopter up. Ark's so good, he just eyeballs that second shot. He doesn't even use the, you know, homing missile or anything. He just, he just sees it, yeah. He really does. He's that much of a crack shot and a crack pilot, obviously. <laughs> what a hero. Uh, Chris I don't know if you guys are aware, but they can keep flying so long as they have fuel. Hey, fear. Yeah, but don't worry. We can fly as long as we have fuel. <laughs> Is that how it works? <laughs> Apparently so. Until you crash land. You already crashed one helicopter, so, you know, probably crash land again. You might well, we've had... forget who he is, and maybe he'll wake up and think he's a lot. We've had many discussions about the uh, uh, fuel capabilities of VTOL airplanes. And stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go. One about the helicopter and survivor. Um, I think Smiley asked on our Discord, uh, what's Ark doing as of Resident Evil 7? Still flying. Still flying. <laughs> <laughs> still, still being a really bad spy, probably. You're the spy. <laughs> oh, dear. I That's... remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is it. That's our kind of um, personal uh, playthroughs of the game. We've kind of gone through it right from the beginning to the very end. Concluding thoughts: Was it better playing it now than it was? Any uh, overarching opinions? Any opinions changed from when you last played it? Again, I'm, I'm sort of on off with it. I must say, this time I found it a frustrating, annoying experience. But that doesn't ever detract away from the setting, the story, albeit how badly it's told. The story is still good. Files are excellent. Characters are interesting. I'll always appreciate it. Um, and I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a remake, but just not as a shooter. You know, a game like this deserves a remake more than Resident Evil Two. Yes, I think I feel about the same. My difference is I love the files and I love the backstory. I hate the actual main story of the game. It's pretty piss poor, really. It's not a lot of anything because as we've kind yeah. of jokingly talked about, like how the whole thing with the Ark pretending to be Vincent and. It's pretty flimsy, and there's not a lot to it, and there's not a lot to look a whole lot, and not I mean, Sherry, I mean Lily. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that you know, it's very fl- that part's flimsy, but it's what it connects to, which is the more interesting thing. And the characters themselves could be fleshed out quite interestingly, and I think there's a lot there that is, there's a lot of potential. At the very least, I wouldn't even mind seeing like you know, like a Third Chronicles game that collates like Survivor yep. and Dead Aim or something. Just, just mm. to, I would totally be down for that. You know, just to update the storyline, you know, you know, update the sort of presentation for people today. So you still get, like, the Cliff Notes versions of, like, Survivor and Dead Aim, but they're in an up-to-date title, that, of which their canonicity is not a thing, you know? Yeah. It'd also been nice to play the whole game. You know, there's always that part of you when you get to an, a new section and, and you, you can see the three doors that you could have come out of or one of the, you know, two of them. But you can go, oh, I wanted to go back. It'd be nice to explore all of it in one big go. Mm. I can't I can't imagine any remake. Because the game would be, you know, three times as long. It's over in an hour and a half, isn't it? So I remember when I was writing the guide, I was so I got so fast that I could finish the game in easily under an hour, like not even 40-odd minutes, I think. Well, there you go, folks. So I hope uh, you've uh, in- enjoyed our retrospective replay playthrough, and if uh, you've been inspired to 
pick up the game, I will do so because prices are only going to increase as uh, the PlayStation 1 becomes even more retro than it already is. So get it in your collections now. Pick up a PS3 or work on. Is it on PlayStation Store? No. No, well, there you go. Even Not available even anywhere. No, even no. more obscure. Physical copies only, or at least someone's got like a version using for emulators and stuff. Yeah. So with that, uh, we finish and uh, we now move over to this podcast edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. The quiz. A test of knowledge, especially as a competition between individuals or teams as a form of entertainment. Usually hosted by a quiz master. Can I just ask, have you had all of these uh, questions independently verified? He doesn't even know the general knowledge stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this my mystery master? It's not going to be one of these quizzes, is it? (laughs) I think we should should get another question, John, don't you? Already fallen into control. Already fallen into yeah, well, that, that's to be expected. I, I'm once again, Nick is at the centre of that controversy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Batman. Star Tyrants. George Trevor. Neptune Biohazard Quiz. Hello and welcome to this podcast's edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. I hope you podcasters have been paying attention to Survivor. We have, uh, out of the five questions, we have three Survivor questions. As long as you are paying attention, you'll be fine. On that note, if you can clear your desktops, let's begin. So, question number one. Heaven's Night is an obvious reference to Silent Hill, but what beer do they serve in the club? Can I just say something about that? Yeah. <laughs> you were being sarcastic, right, about the reference. Heaven's Night? Yeah. It is a reference to Silent Hill. No, because it came out before Silent Hill 2. Heaven's Night's and Silent Hill 2 came out in 2001. Survivor came out in 2000. So what's Heaven's Night a reference to? Probably either the cult group or the movie. <laughs> Dear God. So I referenced this in Sean's stream, because I, I, I saved myself, because I thought it was a reference to RE2, and I didn't know why. Yeah, so it is in Silent Hill. It's in Silent it Hill. Is in Hill, Hill yeah. It came out, yeah. But it came out in 2001. In Survivor came out at the start of 2000, so it can't be a reference to Silent Hill because that's, that's a good point, actually. Romney, yeah. I did, I did say that in the stream, didn't I? You said I just saved myself from embarrassment in the quiz, and yet I haven't because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a reference to Irie too. Oh, well. Heaven's uh, Night is the name of the club in Resident Evil <laughs> <laughs> Survivor. I'm going to legitimately go on Google right now just to confirm what I'm thinking is right. Maybe it's not. There's, There's pressure now. Actual, no, I'm going to double check. So yeah, Heaven's Night in Silent Hill 2. Also appears in Silent Hill 3. It's a strip club. Ah. And that's what it is. And there's a soundtrack, apparently, that Yamaka did. It's got the same title. Now I'm not convinced about 
I'm thinking of no I'm thinking of Heaven's Gate Heaven's Gate is the movie <laughs> I feel like it's not a reference at all I feel like it's just the <laughs> random name they've decided to give it looking at it now so yeah Heaven's Gate is the movie I'm thinking of which is also the yeah okay never mind <laughs> but it's definitely not a reference to Silent Hill <laughs> thank you Rob that's oh, right. So we just need the name of the beer that they yeah. serve because there's neon signs in there that tells you. Anyway, question. No- <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Question number two: In which country were the Men in Black from Umbrella abducting children from, according to the file? Okay. Uh, the final question on Survivor. Question number three: What is the name of the cinema on Sheena Island? Hmm. Hmm. One of my favourite levels, one of my favourite stages, should I say? And Sean, you visited it during your your playthrough, so did you yeah, note yeah. the name? Right. Question at number four. Question comes in from Mike Wilson on Twitter. He says, "In Resident Evil Zero, what is the uh, what base was Billy Cohen being transferred to?" A lot of us have been playing Zero recently, so you should have picked up on that one. And finally, question number five. Who is the first person we see in Heavenly Island to transform into a zombie? How well do you know your Heavenly Island? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so, I'll take absolutely no guess at that. <laughs> so that does, uh, that's our five questions. Join us after this when we'll run through those answers. What? Incent? It's me, your mother. My mother? Vincent, please, listen to your mother. I want you to leave Umbrella. I want you to stop performing those terrible crimes and just come back home. So, welcome back to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Let's see how everyone has done. So starting with question number one. I won't repeat the uh, the reference to Silent Hill. Uh, what beer do they serve in Heaven's Night Club? Uh, Rob, we'll start with you. I do not remember it at all because I didn't I haven't replayed that path so I didn't pay attention. Didn't pay attention. No guess on the beer name? No, I no. can't. Yeah, to, be, to be fair, you, it's very tough. Uh, Stars Tyrant, did you know you went the club route you were dancing, you were grooving with the tyrants. I pointed out the beer, I think, but I honestly can't remember it. I seem to think it was a play on Heineken, so I'm just going to say Heineken. Heineken, okay. Uh, Batman? I didn't go that route. I went through the warehouse, but in the warehouse there was pallets of ostrich beer. Oh, I'm afraid that is incorrect. Ostrich is outside, but it is quick wizard beer. Quick wizard. Quick wizard beer, which is on the neon signs inside. That's a nice sounding beer, though. That is. It does sound good, doesn't it? Ostrich is outside, isn't it? In the um, in the tanker. It's in the intro. So no points there. Question number two: In which country were the men in black from Umbrella abducting children from, according to the file? Rob, I'll start with you again on this one. Uh, I remember the uh, Congo being mentioned, so I'm guessing that you mean Africa, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it, in, yes. In which African country though were the ch- you get? Okay, what? okay, yeah, yep, yep. I remember them being mentioned of the Congo. So in the Congo. Uh, okay, uh, Batman. Yeah, the Congo. And Star Tyrant. I had two written the Congo. And it's points all round. I was hoping someone would say the Democratic Republic of Congo, and I'd point them out. That country did not exist 
1998, but never mind, because that was Zaire. But yes, Congo is the correct answer. Probably the Republic of Congo, because there's two Congolese countries. So yes, if everyone remembers the file, quite a gruesome file, with the uh, with the children being abducted deep in the Congo. There are also reports of a hippo taking an apricot, a guava and a mango. He stuck it with the others and danced a dainty tango before the rhino said, we'll call it... Bumbongo. Thank you, but that's a different story. Question. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Question number three was what was the name of the cinema on Sheena Island? Star Star. Uh, I actually didn't know this and I don't remember seeing it anywhere, so I'm just going to say Cine World. <laughs> Cine World, yes, yes. Uh, Batman. It's called South End Theatre. South End Theatre. Uh, Rombie. Yeah, I remember seeing South End. It's on the outside of the bloody. Um, when you come out, uh, when you go to use the uh, sewer thing, you can see the front of the theatre that you came back around to. And I remember looking at it going, ah, oh, I didn't realise that before. Correct, yes. South South End Theatre Cinema. South End Theatre is correct, yes. As Rob uh, eloquently pointed out, when you go into the street, second street section, you can turn around and have a good nose. Okay, question number four was in Resident Evil Zero, what was the name of the base? Billy's being transferred to uh, Batman. Ragathon base. Ragathon base, start turn. I had no idea. Oh, dear. Rob? Yeah, Ragathon base. Correct. It is Ragathon base. Very good, very good. Um, I just remember it sticking in my head. It's such a ridiculously uh, weird name for a base. It is, it is, yes. For <sighs> execution? <sighs> there we go. Finally, question number five. I don't fear Rob's going to do well on this one. What was the... And I'm hoping my research is correct, because I have not got Heavenly Island. What was the first person <laughs> we see in Heavenly Island to transform into a zombie? Just start with me. Just start with me. <laughs> Rob, are you going to have a guess? No, not at all. It's, I'm, sh- it's, I'm sure it's... Well, hang on. I'm going to guess it's just some sort of beach goer, and it'll be like some woman in a bikini, because why not? There we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Has this beach-going bikini lady got a name? I have no idea. Beach-going bikini sun lady. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm just thinking of artwork that I've seen. Yes, <laughs> I thought it was right because I've actually been writing up a like a dossier thing um, to simplify and make the storyline easy to understand for people. Okay. The translation, so it's something I'm working on. I want to say it's Coco, but I don't know. I honestly can't remember if you see a transform or not, or whether she's already a zombie when it starts. Okay, you going Coco, Batman? Yeah, I think Sean's right. I think it's Coco. She's certainly the first one to be attacked, and I think she's the first zombie that shows up. Is she? Is it? Is points. One, is it, <laughs> Does Coco fit my description? <laughs> yeah, he pretty much read the book. <laughs> I just remember really seeing the front cover. <laughs> so let's have a look at that final scores. Uh, this week's winner is Batman with four out of five. Done. Uh, second place, Rombie with three. Yay. And third, Stars Tyrant with two points. Very well done. So that does uh, conclude uh, well, this podcast edition of Neptune Biohazard Quiz. So join us next time when we'll have some more questions. So uh, there we go. Thank you very much. Wonderful podcast. I hope everyone has been illuminated by the joys of Resident Evil Survive. Hopefully you better hear our genuine uh, passion for this particular game. If you do get beyond the graphics, there is so much to take 
from what is seemingly quite an innocuous uh, and uh, you know, almost like a B-side to the Resident Evil uh, mainline story. But there's, there's hidden gems, and I hope that everyone has picked up on why we all like the game uh, for what it is and the, the overall storyline that manifests accordingly. So um, we do enjoy doing the, 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 the retrospective playthroughs, which leads on nicely to our next planned podcast as we've mentioned in the news at the beginning of the podcast we've got an ongoing poll so unless a new game is announced in the next four weeks which is possible because of the ambassadors program our next podcast is, is looking like at the moment to be a resident evil 3 replay which uh, we'll see each podcast are taking on a different portion of the game if you like because although there's no alternative route a bit like with re2 and one and, and survivor we're going to be doing uh, a different section so I, for example, might talk about the beginning bit up to a particular point in the RPD. Then we'll hand over to Rob to talk about, uh, our, you know, RPD up to the I don't know the power station and the power, yeah, so forth. And so we're going to have a detailed replay of of the whole game from everyone and what we came across in the same sort of manner. Particular instances, nemesis attacks, because as I said, you know, as we discussed today, there's things that I that never happened to me before, such as the tyrant block shielding weapons. I've never never seen that before, so. Um, we're hoping for lots more discussion. So if anyone wants to comment or uh, send MP3 call-ins, um, it's something we'll be happy to happy to share and put you on the podcast. That will be uh, planned in September. We've got a lot of big things coming up, uh, which we can't possibly reveal at this point in time. But uh, keep your eyes on our Discord server, uh, Twitter, and our Facebook pages, and we'll keep you posted. Lots to be excited about. Yeah, so join us next time. So uh, I'd like to take this opportunity. Thank you again for listening. It's goodbye for me, Neptune. Bye for me, Batman. Goodbye for me, Stars Tyrant. Goodbye for me, Rumby. And he danced a big tango. The rhino said, I know, we'll call it Umbango. Umbango, the trigger did he congo. The python picked the passion through the mama. Said the mandarin, the parrot painted bangers. Got the hunk of goo land it is. So when it comes to sun and fun and goodness in the jungle, they all prefer the sunny, funny one they call Umbango. Libby's Umbango. High juice drinks. Free from artificial ingredients.